everybody, and welcome back to the Come Play Podcast, episode 22. Today, it is just me and Bobby. What's up, my man? Yo, what's up, man? It's been a while. It has, and we are without our our fallen men, Zach and Brendy. <laughs> Zach, although, is enjoying himself right now. He's in Winnipeg watching the Jets. Um, I mean, and, he's going to come back a new man, I'm telling you. Yeah, I hope so. Like, you know he's he's been texting us and saying how beautiful it is and he's in his hotel room watching hockey and i can't believe he even said those words so yeah i know those that's it's weird i don't think i think we lost zach on the flight i think (laughs) i think that that zach is gone now um so it's awesome and uh you know we would love to have a a a new zach who has a a bigger love for hockey come back but you know either way uh enjoy your time in winnipeg you dickhead Um, (laughs) and brendy uh wish he could be here but could not make it uh uh, for a time availability reason so uh came down to me and tyler taking over the show today However, we do have two guests later in the show that uh, will be on, uh, one returning, um, and we'll talk about uh, some Bryce Harper and some baseball then. Uh, but for now, we're going to have some hockey talk since it's me and Bobby, and that's our our sport. And uh, we'll also talk about uh, Jason Witten coming out of retirement uh, from the Monday Night Football booth, which, you know, we will get to that in a, in a bit. But uh, let's start out here with our quick picks. Uh, Guy Boucher has been fired by the Ottawa Senators, uh, <laughs> which is just so funny. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I've said this time and time and time again. I am so sorry for the Senators fans out there. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's honestly sad what they're going through right now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, apparently uh, the problem with their team is not the owner or the GM. It's their coach. Uh, so he has since been let go um, by the team. The re- the Senators record right now is 22-37-5, um, which, you know, you would say, oh, yeah, that's not a good record. Maybe it is the coach's fault. However, uh, as we know and will be noting later, the, some of the trades they made, uh, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle, Mark Stone, all out uh, for the day before the trade di- deadline and the trade deadline. Um and uh, and he's gone. Uh, Boucher is the coach that brought uh, the Senators within one goal of the Stanley Cup final just two years ago, as I said before, which was fucking just terrible. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. But <laughs> I mean, as as I, I, this is terrible, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Eugene Mel Eugene Melnick, and Pierre Dorian are single-handedly destroying the Ottawa Senators single-handedly which how do you how do you do that by the way the, the this this franchise that is a staple in this league and you come yeah. in here and almost single-handedly burn it to the ground this all started by the way like because like you know I would say in hockey uh, of like for sure but even maybe even like the major sports right now Eugene Melnick it might be the most talked about owner because of what he's done. And it all started uh, last year when they had their outdoor game against Montreal. And he came on the air, and, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of, um, you know, maybe moving the team, blah, blah, blah. And since then, it's been a goddamn dumpster fire. Uh, the team has just kind of fallen apart. You lost the face of your franchise. God, why the fuck did I get rid of the word team sound effect? God damn it. 
<laughs> that, yeah, that was one of the best things ever. It, it really was. Uh, but uh, it, it's just it's really bad. Um, there's not much else to you know. Like you can only say so much about about. Mm. how terrible this team is. Bobby has something he wants to read from Reddit, I, and then there will be other points I want to bring up. But yeah, what is oh what do you have here for I'll us? I'll be happy to expand this. But, so this was actually posted about four days ago on r slash hockey. You know, for anybody who doesn't know who Reddit is, that's uh, who Reddit is. Yep, who is Reddit? I don't fucking <laughs> know. If anybody doesn't know what Reddit is, um, social media site, uh, this is, it's like sub-community, so r slash hockey. Um, very, very active community, very, 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 uh, huge presence has 715,000 subscribers. Um, so this was posted by, uh, what you can assume is a sense fan. Um, and if anybody, this is the type of post that, that gets a lot of traction on this, uh, on this subreddit, it's got three silver and six gold and a platinum, which if you see a bunch of gold on a post, you know, it's something special. So I had to read this It was four days ago. So this was before you got fired. Um, uh, What's his name got fired? I'm, wow, I'm losing. Yep, yep, thank you. Yeah. Wow, I suck. Um, okay, so it's about Eugene Melnick. The title literally reads, Eugene Melnick has literally ruined hockey for me. And you need to hear this. Um, so I'm just going to read this for, uh, mostly verbatim. Um, excuse me. I've been a Sens fan my entire life, and I will never cheer for another team. But at this point, I'm pretty much done with hockey. Is there any precedent for a team without cap issues to trade their four best players in an eight-month span? I don't think so. All of our star players in the past five years have refused to commit their future to Iowa because they've either been low-balled and alienated by the ownership over contract negotiations or have, rightfully, believed that the team is not interested in being competitive. Being a sports fan is fun because you get to commit to a team, follow it through the ups and downs, and eventually your patience and loyalty gets rewarded. But Sens fans don't get to have that enjoyment. To compete, <laughs> to compete in this league, you need to draft and develop players, make big name moves when the time is right, and retain top tier talent when you have the opportunity to lock them down. The Sens don't sign free agents and generally don't look outside the organization to fill roster needs. The fact that we have a, a sh- that we have shown a consistent ability to develop players. Alfie Carlson, Stone, Hoffman, etc., is overshadowed by the fact that we have an owner who is unwilling to make that final push, not to mention that backroom staff and all the other regular people who work for the organization have been cut to the bone. Melnick has driven this organization into the ground, and there is no end in sight. We have been rebuilding for basically as long as I remember, and every time we reach a point where we have a talented core of players, Melnick and the rest of the organization blow things up and start again. Carlson, Stone, and everyone else led us, to, led us on a surprise run at the Cup two years ago. Then when their contracts were up, they all got dealt, forcing all of us to kick our dreams another five years down the road again. Until we have an owner that is interested, that is as interested in putting a winning team on the ice as we are, I'm not going to bother getting invested in this new crop of players. In six years, we will all be sitting here watching uh, Chavit and Kachak get traded, so who the hell cares? <laughs> the Ottawa Senators are a non-team and aren't worthy of the money and loyalty this fan base has shown over the years. We can have all the picks and prospects in the world and we still wouldn't get anywhere. Sorry, rant over. At least there is a proper title race in the EPL this season. That's what I'll be following until there is a change of ownership in Ottawa. Um, and I read the whole thing just because, like, this is how sad they are. Like, it, it's really... Everybody bashes their own team for different things, right? And they range from large to small, right? Ty has his gripes with the Sharks. I have a gripe with the Flyers starting eight goaltenders. But... Um, <laughs> Um, 
But I just wanted to read this because I think this perfectly just summed up the entire fan base. And uh, this is from uh, you slash Bennett Gladwin. I, if, sorry if I mispronounced that, but that was the user that posted this post. And I love the top comment being, you know, and it's from a, a Washington fan, it seems like, you know, we all make fun, but fuck, does it have to be an awful? Does it have to be awful to be a fan of the sense? Um, and a Montreal fan comes and is like, yeah, Monster love to hate them. I am legitimately upset for them. <laughs> Yeah, the icing on the cake terrible. is that they'll likely win the draft lottery, but they can't even be excited about that because their pick goes to Colorado. <laughs> it's so yeah. like, oh my god, it's so bad. It 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 really like that. That is the worst because you know, and we talked about this last week, but they get to Shane for you know basically one year, right? A little over as a rental year. for what? And you gave up a pick that could end up being. Um, Jack Hughes. Yeah. So right. it's really sad. But what I want to read here, uh, what I want to go through here is the Senators roster. Uh, that apparently it's uh, Guy Boucher's fault for. Uh, it's his fault that this roster looks like this and he got fired. So you're starting goaltender. Craig Anderson, he's been there forever. He's a decent goaltender, but he is 37 and will probably be, you know, his career. I mean, and also Ray is one of the most respected people yeah. on the ice right now. I mean, given everything he's gone through with his wife, right? Um, else. God bless his soul, man. I mean, he's he's truly one of one of a kind. So, I mean, you got him here. He's a veteran guy. Uh, you know, let's go through through the defense. So you got Cody Cece, you know, a, a guy who is rumored to be moved at the deadline as well. Thomas Shabbat, who is one of the up and coming, you know, defensemen in the league. Uh, you know, that's fine, whatever. Dylan DeMello was a guy who came over from um, the Sharks. Uh, Anthony Duclair, they got for um, Dezingle. Uh What else we got? The, here? the only like like spotlight name on that on that defensive line, like yeah, Bobby Ryan, Chris Tierney, Brady Kachuk. Come home, Bobby. Uh, Ryan. By the way, this is offense now. If it wasn't clear already, uh, Peugeot, but he's hurt. Um, let's see. I don't even fuck it. Like, wh- how are you supposed to win with this team? Like, it, like it, it's even funnier because there's spotlight a couple players who could definitely go right and could definitely be put on a team that could make a cup run, but they're just not. It, well, it's Bobby Ryan's one of them. I mean, it's a problem when Bobby Ryan. I like Bobby Ryan is severely overpaid. That's part of the oh, problem. Oh, he is. But, he is. I'm not saying he's the best player in the world, but he's definitely a good depth player. But, uh, you know, Chris Tierney, as much as, as he was a great player on the Sharks, one of the best yeah. third line centers in the league. But right now, he's a first line center, and that shouldn't be happening. <laughs> so <laughs> I, it's just crazy. Now, I, brought, I bring this up because I wanted to compare this roster to the roster that they had when they, you know, made it to the conference finals. So you got that roster, you know, no big names. Obviously, the names you're missing there are Duchesne, Stone. Zingle, mm-hmm. um, Carlson, obviously. So all those guys there. So the 2016-17 roster. Again, Craig Anderson and goal. Um, you got, uh, you know, just naming some of the names on the offense that they used to have. Derek Broussard, uh, Alex Burrows when he was there. Let's see, Ryan Dezingle is there. Mike Hoffman before that situation happened. Eric Carlson, yeah. uh, Clark MacArthur. Let's see, Dion Phaneuf, um, Bobby Ryan, Mark Stone, Kyle Turris, uh, Colin, you know, 
uh, Chris Weidman, Tommy Wingle. So just some players that, you know, look, I mean, that's not, that's not even that an impressive roster either, but at least you have people there. And guess what happened when you had that, you almost made it to the, the cup final. Um, it's just, it's such a terrible thing. And not to mention this, the, uh, as, I, I, I feel like I said this on the podcast last week. I'm not even sure if I did or not. Um, but if I did, I apologize. But here's the thing. There's a salary cap in hockey, right? And everybody knows it. It's in sports as well. And everybody knows there's a salary cap that you can't go over in a certain amount. But there's also a certain amount that you can't go under. And the Ottawa Senators are fucking close. Okay? <laughs> they are close. So the so the so um, this year... The salary cap floor is $58.8 million. Right now, the um, current, uh, let's see, today, so this is, I'm on capfriendly.com, which is the best place for all cap related things. The problem not sponsored. It's it not sponsored. The problem with it is it is a little bit confusing. Um, basically, they're sitting around. Uh, let's see, 27, 36. Uh, they're sitting around 49, $49 million. Okay, it's for, for players they're paying. For, for players they're paying. And then, so yeah. th- their, their actual cap hit is $59 million because $10 million, they are not paying for their team. They're paying on other teams when they, you know, retain cap or stuff like that. So... Yes, that's so. And a lot of these players are at the end of the year are going to be free agents, right? You got, um, you know, uh, let's see, like a guy like Oscar Lindbergh, who's making 1.7 million, which is not a lot, but he's one of the highest. He's on the list of their forwards of highest paid players. He's one, two, three, four, five. He's sixth, okay? 1.7 million, you're sixth. It's incredible. Uh, and he's a UFA. So there's money, you, you know, like they're literally going to have to sign players just to sign players so they cannot right. like their defense their top paid defenseman right now is 4.3 million their second 1.2 <laughs> my god <laughs> yeah like i'm telling you man these guys are legit going to have problems like i, just, I, I don't players. how do you put yourself in this scenario man like i i, I really don't i yeah there's because I'm trying to, I I have to do some research and I have to really look back on okay, where was Melnick at the time that he made certain these certain decisions, right? And but how how do you get here? Yeah. And no one tells you, hey, you're being stupid. I I don't know. I, I mean, in in that thing you read, it is funny because he did say like, you know, all these players being dealt for a team that doesn't have cap problems and right. Yeah, they're I mean, almost they just... hitting the fucking floor of Cavs base, and Carlson's gone. Stone is gone. Like what? Yeah. So through injuries and um, through injuries and players are retaining in their active roster. Like I said, it is fifty nine million. Like they're still paying Dion Phaneuf because um, they retained on him. Uh, like guys like Clark MacArthur, who is now retired. There, or I, I don't know if he's retired or um, basically he's on the like uh, the injury reserve, which is probably going to be likely for the rest of his career because he had concussion problems. But that that eats up $4.6 million. So literally, guys, they, they have more money and, like, the guys that are um, 
injured and stuff like that, and they're almost doing their active roster. It's it's crazy. That's insane. Um, That's absolutely insane. I, 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 I feel bad for this fan base. Just, and just just so we know where they sit currently, they're obviously last. Yeah. Um, sitting at 22, 37, and 5 in 64 games played with 49 points. And above them is Detroit, 23, 32, and 9 with 55. So uh, I think it's pretty safe to say they're not making the playoffs. <laughs> I would have said that in uh, October. Um, I mean, we, we, we did our preview and we trashed this team. Um, for good reason. For good for good reason. We also didn't think New York would be where they were they're currently at. So right. that's uh saying something. But no, Ottawa was always going to be a problem. And it just it, it, for for a little bit there in the beginning of the season, you thought, oh, maybe they're not gonna be that bad, and then you remembered. So <laughs> uh it's terrible. It's it's, it's so bad. bad. They're they're two and eight in their last ten. Um I, I just find it funny how the guy they blame it on is is their coach who has nothing to do. I mean, look, right. he makes the decision whose plays or not, but like he doesn't have decisions on like trading Mark Stone or trading Eric Carlson or whatever. Right. I mean, or making so, well, a trade for Matthew Shane that blew up that team. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Like, I mean, coaches do have some some type of say in in some in trades every now and again, right? I mean, we we saw that. Uh, and the Flyers a little bit where Hackstall w- probably was whispering in some ears just a tiny bit, right? Mm-hmm. Now, he can't make the deal himself, nor would he really know how to make the deal, but he definitely said, like, hey, this guy could be traded for something kind of thing. But uh, so I, I got to think that some of them have a say. But in this case, no fucking way did he have any, any like, I guess, word in this, right? I mean, Melnick just made these decisions, and it... Uh, yeah, this is this is putting a temporary band-aid on like the wrong wound is basically <laughs> what they're doing here. Like, yeah, fire the coach for uh, you know, using guys that you signed. I don't know. I, I think the only the only thing at this point that I can I can uh fathom about what they're doing with the team is that okay, now they're so low that they can truly rebuild. Right? Yeah. I guess that's the idea. Or Melnick just does like some big buyouts over the over the season or the off season, and we're all proven wrong next season. But I doubt it. Uh, uh, so I mean, just to kind of clean up this conversation, uh, Mark Crawford uh, is the team's interim coach until uh, they find a new one, or and they'll probably just say, "Hey, you want the job?" Because nobody else does. Yeah, nobody fucking does. Um, or you know what, Coach Q goes there. Jesus, no, he wants to win. <laughs> yeah, I. Oh yeah. By the way, hey, uh, this is like my monthly reminder. Hey, Coach Q. Um, Philadelphia is looking pretty nice right now. Um, I don't know if you saw. Uh, Philly signed Bryce Harper. Um, and uh, and the Flyers uh, have a really nice goaltender. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, you might like it here. Um, I'm gonna take a visit. Ever ever uh, feeling up for it? Tell Bryce to send out a tweet. Yeah, (laughs) Bryce, can you start? So, Bryce, (laughs) he's already trying to recruit Le'Veon Bell. Might as well try and recruit Coach Q. Yeah, (laughs) whatever. Um, it's a shit show. It's it's, as I've said a thousand times about the Senators, it's a dumpster fire there. Mm -hmm. I hope for their fans' sake it turns around. I what I ultimately hope is I hope Dorian gets fired and Melnick sells a team. But I mean, I just don't know if that 
will actually happen anytime soon. You got you to think that just there's, there's some really bad implications for Ottawa since the, there is weird talk of it moving. I, I don't see it, but why does the conversation with Melnick always seem to go there? Like, I, I, I mean, I feel like it's settled down a little bit. Like I, last year, I was in full effect when he came out and said about moving the team. But I, I mean, it's such a shit show this year that I feel like everybody is not worried about that. They're worried about the product on the ice right now. Yeah, uh, but so it, you know, they want Melnick out, and I, I guess what does that mean for the team afterwards? Besides just the state, this is the quality of the team itself. Because I mean, he brings that up. I, I can't see Ottawa losing that team. I mean, the fan base is there. I mean, it, it, they, they can't say the fan base. The NHL can't look at this and go, oh, yeah, Ottawa doesn't have a fan base. They do. They just don't want to deal with this. Yeah. I, I would, you know, it's it's an interesting ordeal. That, I mean, I don't think we need to get into now, but it's, I don't know. There's, it, it, it's, it's so amazing that you can talk about how bad this team is on the ice and how fucked up it is off. <laughs> Like, there's literally nothing for them to grasp on that has any good future to it. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. I, I will I, say I this. In the Mark Stone trade, um, which we'll get to a little bit later, they did get a very good prospect back. But sure. I mean, it's... it's uh... Yeah, let's build the prospect around the failing... Let's build a failing team around the prospect. Huh? Yeah. Let's do know. it. Yep, prospect can carry the team. <laughs> it's, Listen, it's if you're not terrible. getting Hughes in the draft, you're not building around anything. Yeah, that's, I mean, again, like, I don't want to keep going back to this. That's just the biggest thing. How do you trade away, you know, your future for a guy, for a guy who was there for a year, like, less than a year, and not to mention, like, had no, like, not even close to success that whole time. Like, the team just had no success while he was there. It's really, I mean, look, I mean, I know why they traded him now, just to, because... You can't just like hold on to him and be like, well, you know, we made this huge trade. We got to keep him. Like, you got to move on. But at the same time, I mean, goddamn, that is a terrible deal that they uh, made. Joe Sackick was the, <laughs> the, the owner of the, uh, excuse me, the general manager for the Colorado Avalanches. The winner of the whole trade deadline, even though he didn't make, you know, any significant moves. Um, right. He still is because he still holds the cards with that pick, and it's crazy. But let's move on to the. Uh, I don't oh, know what to call man. this. I get John Tavares' homecoming last night, which was a little bit of a, a, a crazy scene. Um, so it was a fucking riot inside of a building. This is what yeah. this was. So, uh, you know, John Tavares, uh, well documented. He uh, left the New York Islanders after ten years. Um, to sign with the Toronto, his hometown team, Toronto Maple Leafs, um, over the offseason. And this game was his first game back uh, in, you know, Long Island. And holy shit, it was terrible. Like, it, it, it was a riot. <laughs> it really yeah, it, was. It, I mean, it was a riot. It, it um, was crazy. Basically, like, take the um, Ed Snyder situation from Philly years ago. And the game against the Capitals, where the bracelets got thrown onto the ice, and the players got to play a game, which I will never condone ever. Um, that was a horrendous display, or um, as one of our favorite uh, announcer quotes, "That is a disgusting act," <laughs> um, which it was, and I'm never going to forgive uh, Flyers fans for that. Um, but anyway, think of that uh, maybe three times over. 
Like people came to this game just to throw stuff at JT. I mean, there was uh, plastic snakes thrown out of the ice. Uh, he was walking back to the tunnel after warm-ups. They threw a jersey at him. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's crazy. I, I, You know what? I, I should have brought this up before the, you know, so we could prep for this. But there was a video, and I don't know if you've seen it, that the Islanders fans made. Um, It was like something. It might have just been like. The fans made it? Like, it was it was something on Twitter. Let me see if I can kind of find it while I'm talking okay. here. But basically, it was a video. It was a very cringy video that sure. the the, uh, the Islanders made. Uh, the Islanders fans made um, to basically tell um, JT to fuck himself. Uh, they were like, you know, we put our our heart and soul into this, blah blah blah, and um, you know, this is and you just left. Basically, uh, it was just a really dumb video. But yeah, I mean, they they did a uh, a tribute video for him. It got booed the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it was it was something that I, I mean, he, he Tavares said it himself. He expected it. Um, he said no one walked in my shoes. Like they don't know my decision. You know stuff like that. Uh, the game itself was a pretty convincing win for the Islanders, um, but yeah, I mean, just everybody in the stands—you just got jersey saying "traitor" on it, and uh, just signs, and it, it was crazy. Like I said, I mean, I've never, I've never seen—I I don't think I've seen anything quite like it in hockey in my lifetime, at least. Um, just, th- just the the whole thing in general was just it was just a crazy kind of situation and not something you really want to see um because like i said i mean as dumb as it sounds like throwing stuff on the ice could legitimately hurt a player uh especially when it's on ice so (sighs) yeah i'm sorry oh here it is so there was a i'm sorry so it's called dear john it was a video (laughs) that the islanders fans put out (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, I, I I really don't condone any of these actions, but I I gotta give him some creative props for that. <laughs> but it, it was honestly one of the cringiest videos um that you could possibly ever see. Uh, it was like a minute clip, uh, and it was saying how oh we poured your heart out for you, blah blah blah. Um, if do you want to play it on the show, or you kind of just want to leave it and we'll tell them about it? it doesn't. Uh, hey, how long is it? I think it's about a minute clip. I'm trying to. I'm trying and to. It's it's just them talking. Like, are they talking and, and saying stuff? Yeah, it's just like them talking about Tavares and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, you, you you can link that to me, and I can do it. Um, I have another clip I can play while I'm downloading that, and we can start talking about. Uh, a very polarizing figure has some things to say about this. Yeah. So, uh, as many people remember him for, uh, Sean Avery, uh, former. Uh, enforcer, former dickhead in the NHL, uh, came um, out with a video, uh, basically on his Instagram uh, story, just saying his thoughts about the whole ordeal with the Islanders fans uh, and what happened last night. It's about a minute clip, uh, and he—I will say—it is, uh, you know, a little. Uh, He's got something little, to say. <laughs> it's a little not graphic, but I mean, he does say a couple things, so. I uh, will kind of let that play and uh, share Sean Avery's thoughts on the situation. You don't want to hear me talk about hockey. Then 
hit mute. Fucking New York Islander fans calling John Tavares a snake, throwing snakes on the ice. Who the fuck are they kidding? That guy played 10 years in that fucking dump with those shitty fans. Didn't say a word. Was a great captain. Never got arrested. Didn't say fucking boo. You losers want to ruin his night coming back to play for you guys. What was he supposed to do? Lie during the season? Or was he supposed to give the answer that all athletes give when they know they're not coming back to a team? You fucking greasy Islander fucks. You guys get out cheered in your own barn by Ranger fans every time the Rangers play the Islanders in Long Island. Fuck you. So, yeah, he, uh, he had some things to say about oh, that. Oh, yes, he did. Yep, that's um, Sean Avery. Hey, uh, look, I mean, it, it was a little bit, uh, I mean, he added the thing at the end that the Rangers is kind of a little bit of shade. But, I mean, what he's saying is true. I mean, look, John Tavares, um, uh, I mean, I think he would have admitted said during the year that, you know, I'll, I'll come back. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's not like he signed a contract that said, yeah, I have to, like, you know, he's playing for him next year. He said that um, to basically keep the team intact, I would assume, um, for the year prior when he was playing for him. Uh, it's just a very messy situation. Um, like I said, the Islanders fans are, are, are not happy. And look, I mean, they have, uh, I, they have, I guess they have a right to be, but you got to kind of tame it down. I, you know, I watched a bit of the game last night and I watched the pregame specifically because I want to see the reaction. And, and I, I thought it was going to get ugly. I, I actually thought somebody could legitimately get hurt during this yeah. and something could happen. Thankfully, it, it really didn't. You know, it was just a lot of yelling and stuff like that. But um, uh, you, you got it. Yeah. You're JT. You got to get scared, man. I, geez, I, you got things thrown on you the whole time. I mean, I, uh, like he was the face of that franchise for so long. And, you know, the, the only playoff success they had was, uh, you know, mostly attributed to, to him. I mean, he scored the overtime winning goal in round one of the fucking like one time they were actually in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and against Florida and, and uh, yeah, I mean, they really gave it to him. Um, I can't get the clip, unfortunately, but uh, for okay. whatever reason or another. But just know it's uh, no nobody likes him over there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you do want to watch it, it's it's just. I'll put it in the description uh, if you want to take a look at it. I, I'll yeah. have the link here. I'll put it in the description. I'll make sure I make a little edit note to myself to uh, put that in there. But um, it's it it's kind of sad. It's sad to me. Um, it uh. Okay, why did my phone like die? Okay, um, it, it's 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 sad to me, man. I mean, I he it's Sean Avery made a point and uh, about like he's never been arrested. I mean, which I, first of all, okay, weird. Second of all, um, he made a point though is that John Tavares wasn't like spewing any bad blood. He wanted to go home. Everyone yeah. knew that he wanted to go, and I, I mean, you played ten years in that franchise, and uh. You know, it's, it's it was time, man. I mean, and and trying to make what do you want him to lie to you? Do you want him to tell you that he was going to resign or he was going to wait or whatever? No, he, everyone knew he wanted to go to Toronto. Um, you know, I I just like I felt bad for the guy. Um, and I here's the thing, Islanders are kind of proving their point. I mean, they're they're top of the league right now or second in the league, whatever. You know, top of the East. Um, 
you know, they're going to be in the playoffs, and who knows, we might see a matchup between the Islanders and Leafs, which that would be interesting. Yeah, bro. Uh, uh, but it's possible, man. You you have a legitimate shot. So, I mean, I don't know. I think you're already proven your point. You don't need to be throwing snakes at them. You know what I mean? Don't, don't yeah. please. I, you know, I, I don't try, try to generalize Philly fans, but please don't do that. Don't do... <laughs> Don't do what uh what Philly did with Ed Snyder, man. That was bad and, and just yeah. You, to all fans, any sport, don't don't be doing this crap. No, yeah. please, just don't do that. It's not fair to anybody. It's gonna hurt somebody. Thankfully, it didn't. Like I said, no. but it was just a bad look. And 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 a lot of people are obviously coming out and saying, uh, you know, it's just classless, which it is, and uh, you know, they they kind of have to i guess take the blame would be the word here it's just look i mean I, I i we get how you feel islanders fans but you can't be doing stuff like that so um hopefully the next time he comes in the town it won't be as bad but mm-hmm. you never know um yeah. but with that uh let's wrap up there and go to our last uh, hockey quick pick before we go into some uh more hockey stuff for a big topic. Uh, just going to wrap up the trade deadline here. <clears throat> um, we talked about some of the deals before the trade deadline, uh, and we just kind of want to discuss some of the actual deadline deals, um, the bigger ones. Um, so I'll go through the li- some, you know, like I said, some of the bigger names here on the list, and we'll kind of discuss them. The first one for my San Jose Sharks, uh, they acquired Gustav Nyquist uh, from the Detroit Red Wings for a 2019 second round pick and a t- conditional. 2020 third round pick um good move uh for the sharks it's some depth um i you know the top nine that they now have is uh incredible um you know it's a very well-rounded top nine uh and i think also i mean the other thing about this trade for me is that i think uh doug wilson um gm of the sharks kind of you know for all intents and purposes, stole Nyquist because I guess it is fair value in in context, but with the way players are being traded uh, on, especially on deadline day nowadays, you'd think they'd get more for Nyquist. Uh, but we only give up a second round pick and a conditional third. It is funny though because the Sharks have legit like I'm pretty sure that's their first, second, and third round pick gone for the next draft. Um, <laughs> so they're they're going all in. But um, but no, I think it's a good trade for them. And like I said, that top nine now is is ridiculous and uh, bolstering up for uh, hope you know hopefully for me a cup run. Um, I mean you, I mean you're the fucking thorn in your sides out of the way currently in uh, in Pittsburgh. So well, yeah, I, I it just they they scare me a little bit because the Sharks' problem right now is is well, first of all, I mean they do have some injuries like. Eric Carlson was basically, I don't even know why they played him. He was basically playing on one leg the other night. Um, and and they're still having pro- like, you know, keep problems keeping pucks out of the net. But I think offensively they're incredible, I think. And this just adds to it. But there's still some concerns there. And the way the standings are looking, it looks like it could be a first-round matchup with Vegas, who they got eliminated by last year. So... Um, yeah, but like, for, as for this trade, like I said, a, a really good addition. Um, I mean, he, you know, they're trying to really see where he fits at this point. They might have him play with Hurdle. 
Uh, they might have him play on a line with Thornton and LeBanc. Uh, it's just really a matter of um, kind of seeing where he fits and then plugging him in. Um, the next trade we have here is uh, the Winnipeg Jets acquire Kevin Hayes from the New York Rangers for Brendan Lemieux, a 2019 first-round pick, and a 2022 conditional fourth. That's a little weird. Uh, but but what anyway. The hell, what, wait, what conditional fourth is this? The 2022, like three years in advance. I, I don't know huh. what the condition is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, you know, my initial reaction is, I mean, Kevin Hayes is a good player. Don't get me wrong, but that seems like an overpayment to me. Um, I mean, I guess when you're the Jets and have an almost complete team and maybe need that one piece to win a cup, you overpay, but it just seems like a first and a prospect. And, you know, I, I know it's only a fourth round pick, but I think I, th- I, I want to say that condition is like, if they win, I, I forget, it might be if they re-sign them or something. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it, it's probably I, something like that. something contract based, but I mean, it could be a third, but still either way. I mean, mm. you know, I, I just think that's, it's uh it, it's a little bit of an overpayment. I mean, he's a good center. Um, you know, he's he's done well for the Rangers in the past. Uh, this year specifically in 52 games played, he has 42 points. Um, so not in the you know sneeze about, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's look. I'm not saying he's a good player. I just think it might be a little bit of an overpayment. Uh, big guy, six foot five, two sixteen. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, we'll kind of have to see how that pans out. It's just to me, it just seems a little bit, a little bit much. But uh, mm-hmm. if it gets you a cup, I guess it does not matter at all. <laughs> nope, not in the slightest. Nope. Um, next trade: uh, the Boston Bruins acquired forward Marcus Johansson for the New Jersey Devils for a 2019 second and a 2024. Um, this was uh, kind of a crazy, like this was almost a really bad situation for the um, the Devils because. If I'm correct in saying this, I'm pretty sure Johansson is a free agent at the end of the year, and like he's not going to resign. So like they had to get rid of him. And there was a video I was like, as I'm watching uh, Trade Center, um, they showed a video of that morning him getting like hurt in practice, and I'm like, oh god, like oh, they're not no. going to be able to move him now. Uh, but he was back out in the ice for that, and um, they get a second and a fourth. I thought. I think that's fair value. Maybe that fourth being a third, possibly. I think he is a UFA, by the way, at the end yeah. of the season. Okay. I, I think maybe that fourth being a third round pick possibly makes it a little bit better, but you know, it's pretty good um, return for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, that, <laughs> a little bit of a scary situation there for the, uh, for the devils. Cause I see, and then I'm like, damn, they're not going to be able to move them now. Yep, no, they got him to Boston, and I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if Boston wants to resign him. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, it's tough just with caps, like the cap situation. So his cap hits four point five eight three. Okay, and you would imagine? I mean, I would imagine it would be around that, or maybe a five. Uh, when that you probably get next, yeah. Which uh, I'm trying to see what if I'm trying to look more into Boston, but that would be their hit, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if they could afford that, but 
Um, yeah, good. I, I like Johansson. He's a good, a good player, but right? you know, skill, uh, underrated skill. Um, so I like that. Yeah. This this next trade is just, it, <laughs> uh, it's funny to me. So the Canucks. This isn't really even a big trade. It's just I just need to bring it up because I think it's so dumb. Uh, Tanner Pearson, who just got traded to Pittsburgh this year um, from LA, is on the move to the Vancouver Canucks for Eric Goodbranson. One of the most over, not, it's not like not even overrated. Everybody knows he sucks and he's overpaid. Uh, and Pittsburgh gets him to now have Eric Branson and Jack Johnson, two of the most overpaid players in the league on the same defense. Um, how do you do Pittsburgh? So yeah, there, I just wanted to mention that because I think yeah. it's funny. I, uh, somebody we reference all the time, uh, urinating tree on Twitter and YouTube. He was streaming. Uh, he was actually playing Angel 94. And he's, he's a Yinzer. So, uh, uh, the Pittsburgh trade happened and he had, on, he, he lost it, man. Oh my God. Somebody, I, I don't have the video on me, but you got to go watch that. It. it was pretty fucking funny. Uh, he's just like, what the fuck? And, yeah. It, weird one. I'm with you there. That was a really weird trade. He's not good. Yeah. Um, this one was out of left field. Uh, the Nashville Predators acquire Mikael Granlin from the Wild for Kevin Fiala. Um, you know, yeah, the two hell? players, the two players that were not, you know, really rumored to move or anything, uh, get swapped one for one. Uh, Mikael Granlin stats this year, he's got 63 games played and 49 points. Uh, he's a, you know, good player and a center, which is so valued in this league. Um, yeah, is I mean, besides goaltender, might be the most valued position in hockey right now. Yeah. Um, and then Kevin Fiala, who is a good player, and he's only 22 and a great prospect, but, you know, uh, only getting Fiala for Granlin, I think, is pretty rough. Uh, One for six, ones are always confusing to me. That, I mean, yeah, it's always risky, too, yeah. not to mention. Um, but, yeah, he, Fiala has 65 games played and 32 points this year. Um. Again, good player and a lot of potential. I just don't know if one for one in that situation was the like a good trade for the Wild. I, that I don't know. I mean, that's that's just kind of my opinion. But I, I, that's also the opinion of a lot of people. Uh, it seems like so. the 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 Wild are, are always in any move they make. It's always I feel like it's interesting because I don't think the state of the team is changing. With, well, with this type of no, move. but what this does and what will the trade we'll get to next, it, it bolsters our lineup. But again, I mean, centers are so so mm. valuable, and and they just kind of bolster that center. And then also, um, you know, they pick up Wayne Simmons uh, for Ryan Hartman in the twenty twenty fourth, and you know, it's they kind of bolster that team. Now, for you, obviously being a Flyers fan, and for all <sighs> Flyers fans, it was very emotional. For the team as well, it's a very emotional exit. Everybody knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, just a matter of when. Um, you know, they know that. You know, um, Simmons is on a very friendly, team-friendly contract right now, yeah. uh, and he's going to get paid this off-season. Um, and they just really couldn't afford it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess you know, what's your reaction? That's like I know you're on the the side of you know it was coming. It was just when. Yeah, and I think I even advocated numerous times on the podcast for them to do it um, because he was going to walk. I mean, 
I say this, but there's now a, a pretty big asterisk that that is starting to develop, and maybe should have could have been spotted beforehand. Is um, he could resign, man. Um, it, here's the thing with him, right? He's a good player, and the the idea is that he's always he was always going to at the end of the season ask for a, a decent paycheck, right? And you know what? Good on him, right? But he likes Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the thing here is like, and I, and I, I don't want to get too deep into this. I'm not a fucking psychologist, but there were people <laughs> uh, who kept reposting the video of him in warmups in his first game in Nashville or with Nashville, I should say. And they kept saying he looks so sad and this, that, and the other thing. I mean, well, first of all, yeah, he's, he's adjusting, I'm sure. Um, and whatever and he's going to start Nashville well but he's still he's probably a rental i don't think nashville's going to resign him i really don't unless no, don't he just has that. this fucking burst yeah um, it's just again i don't think it's a matter of teams not wanting to resign him they just can't afford him right and that's the thing it's like and, and nashville really doesn't need it right now the only thing that simmons has for nashville is probably a better power to help them improve on their power play a little bit because they're our play is worse than the league, I think, or close to. Um, so he was he was going to be a big power play component when he when he went to Nashville, um, and it could help make a run. Uh, but like I said, he's he's gonna he's gonna get paid in the offseason. Um, yeah. but it, it, he was apparently asked again at one point if he would consider going back to Philadelphia, and he said yes, which really at face value shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be surprising to anybody. But you got to wonder if he's willing to take to really not ask for that much money uh just to be able to get back to philadelphia it would definitely have to be a hometown discount that's for sure (laughs) yeah i would agree and it's um it's interesting as well i mean looking at um the flyer status at the moment which is so hard to talk about because you got it you think about uh, i I said this in the get-go the team on paper isn't terrible it really isn't um it's just I don't know. There, there was a lot of things. I blamed a lot of this, how the, the system they were playing with Hackstall, and they've done well by Gordon. Um, they really have. Um, and Carter Hart's finally here. It, it's time. It, it came a lot earlier than most expected. He's here now. The goaltender uh, situation mostly is pretty locked up now. Um, and they signed Cam Talbot, obviously, and he's going to kind of mentor uh heart probably for a little bit i don't know if the flyers will re-sign him i mean he's coming he's going to be he's on the last year of a 4.166 uh aav for whatever contract he was in with edmonton um so he'll be a ufa at the end of the season but so will brian elliott and michael neuverth so who knows um uh, that's crazy that, it's, ba- it's bad dude well no, because I- it's a situation where like they're like they're gonna have to play in the ahl like neuverth yeah. is gonna be playing in the ahl yeah, yeah. I mean, he's gonna have to, and he's still he's been uh, hurt this whole time. And then Elliot's back, but um, I mean, unless they're injured or sitting in the press box, like you well, can't hold on to three goalies, really. Yeah. So Hart's in the AHL currently because the he's trying to get eligible in case the Phantoms make a uh, Calder Cup run, so right. that if the Flyers uh, end up uh, being le- mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, he can just go down and play with the Phantoms in the playoffs down in the AHL. Um, which is good. I have no problem with that. I don't think anybody should. Um, I think Cam Talbot's actually making his uh, debut with the Flyers in about uh, six minutes, actually, against the Devils. Um, so, 
uh, there's that, but there's, there's future on this team. There really is. And it's something I keep trying to stress that, I mean, along with the farm system, which Tyler has seen firsthand, by the way, so he can, he can vouch. Um, there, there's a really good farm system for the flyers right now. Um, I, I would be surprised if Morgan Frost is not being talked about next season. Um, mm-hmm. um, we are, we do have a, quite a few, uh, significant UFAs coming in next season. Uh, notably Michael Raffle, uh, Corbin, I feel Verone. Um, and we also have, like I said, uh, Brian Elliott and Michael Neuberth are going to be UFAs at the end of the season as well. Um, Reco Gudis and AMAC a- have, uh, I think, one more year at uh, left on their uh, contract and they'll be UFAs, which thank fucking Christ. <laughs> just a reminder that uh, AMAC makes $5 million a year. Just just a reminder of that, by the way. Um, I have a lot of faith in this team and um, I would be happy to take Simmons back, but I don't want to overpay him. Um, it's yeah. basically what I'm getting. I kind of went off on a little tangent there, but I'm, I'm reading a bunch right now. Uh, like I said, yeah, he, I would happily welcome him back. He was one of my favorites. I mean, that dude embodied everything a flyer is. He could score, he could make a pass, he could hit, he could fight. I mean, he was total broad street bully all the way. And I, I think, um, I think that sticks with him. Uh, and I think he really does want to come back to Philly. I really do. Um, I just, I guess it depends on how much money he wants at the end of it. I don't want to overpay him. I really don't because there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be doing in the offseason. I'm sure it's going to be some huge moves coming around. So, um, I really don't want to overpay him if that's going to risk getting some big names in the offseason. That's just me though. But in terms of the trade, because I know I haven't really made a comment about it yet. Um, Harman's a very interesting character on paper. Um, first round pick by Chicago um he's played for chicago and then nashville and now he's here and here's what's funny about him is that he basically won over the fans in the first night because he threw <laughs> a, a huge hit on uh Darlene, uh yeah. a buffalo and started a fight so and interviews with him are interesting he's actually the type of player uh i really uh like he's he's basically a two-way forward uh who's not afraid to throw his body around He's he's not he's not Connor McDavid. He's not like the you know the fast you know dangle people's ankles 180 degrees backwards kind of guy, right? Like he's the dude who's gonna get on the ground and block the shots. He's the dude who's gonna you know throw hits in the corner and and, and whatever. He's gonna be the physical guy, right? I mean, he is. That's what Simmons was. But I think Ryan Harmon's coming out here and and especially for someone as young as him being that kind of player, it's different. So it's kind of hard to not like it. If we're talking about the trade itself, it's a little weird. Um, Tyler, you you were under the impression we got absolutely fleeced for this well, trade. And, I, I, and, I overreacted for sure. But I, I think you got – like I just don't think they got fair value back for – and I know Simmons is going to be a rental, but I, yeah. I thought you could get like a higher pick at least with yeah. that. We're a prospect back. And that's what I wanted to. And, and I, what I think happened, and based off some kind of weird rumblings that I heard – Simmons was had a very high price tag on him. Uh, not to mention he uh, Fletcher. I don't think put Simmons officially on the market until like the early morning hours of the deadline. Like he, I don't really know. You probably could have asked, I guess started marketing him earlier. I don't know. I really don't know, man. I think there was still a little bit. And I said it at one point, these, the, the next few games before the deadline, we're going to decide if uh, Simmons was going to walk or if he's going to stay for a playoff run, which he should never have. At those two games did not need to be the deciding factor of that. Um, I, I did want a higher pick. I did want a prospect. Um, but here's the thing. I'm glad we got something, right? Even if 
you know, so uh, Ryan Harmon's in RFA at the end of the season, so you know his situation will be weird. But um, we needed something. I'm glad we got something. That's really all I settled for at that point. It was getting down to a two minute warning. I'm like, okay, we're getting something. I don't know what it is, but it's something. So I'll take the pick. I'll take Ryan Hartman. Uh, he's got a few shots on uh, in the first two games, and he's he's already racked up like six penalty minutes. So. He's he's Ryan Harmon. He's doing exactly what he was marketed as at face value. So um, I'm not totally happy with the trade, but it was good that we did get something in, in return for it, um, even though it was just a pick in Ryan Hartman. But um, yeah, I miss him. I know I went a little long because I I, I had a lot of there's there's so much talk with the Flyers right now. It's 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 kind of all getting mixed together. Every move is kind of like it's like a chess match. Like every move means something for the future part of the game. Um, I mean, that's a trade in general, but in this case, it's just the Flyers are such a weird team in terms of moving players. I think you kind of had the nail on the head, though, because for Nashville, like, they, they so they do have the worst power play in the league right now, and um, and I think he's a big help because, you know, power plays don't have to be this beautiful thing. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. you just need a big body in the front of the net. Yep. Yeah, that's what Wayne Simmons does, and I think you know yep. maybe he's not on the first power play unit, although they might have him there. But even like the second, because mm-hmm. uh, with with what they already have there, um, yeah. I think that helps. I mean, they're at twelve point two percent right now, um, last in the league. Montreal is twelve point seven, but I mean, even like if you're looking at like a mid level team, their power play is you know twenty percent, and that's crazy to think about because it's the Nashville Predators. I mean, they're yeah. one of the best teams in the league. Um, and their power plays that low. So, I mean, it's a good pickup for them. Yeah. I think for them, I mean, Ryan Hartman, they uh, they got last year uh, at the deadline. They definitely overpaid for him then, and they kind of, you know, sent him on his way, but they got a good player back um, for this year. So, uh, the last trade here um, we mentioned earlier, probably, you know, the biggest trade of the deadline um, was Vegas acquiring Mark Stone. Um, and Tobias Lindbergh from the Senators for Eric Brandstrom, Oscar Lindbergh, and a 2020 second round pick. So Mark Stone was probably, I mean, on TSN's trade bait board was the number one, um, you know, guy that was on everybody's list kind of thing. Uh, you know, he's having a really good, I mean, for the team he was on, especially, he's mm-hmm. having a really good year. He's over a point a game on that team, 62. Um, uh, 61 games played, 62 points um, this year. Um, and, you know, definitely the, the hottest commodity out there. Um, you know, as for this trade I mentioned earlier, uh, when we were talking about the Senators, they do get a really good prospect back in Eric Brandstrom, um, who is being compared to Eric Carlson, which, again, is funny because <laughs> he's going to Ottawa now. Um, but a really good uh, good you know, stick handling, puck moving, defense boom. Uh, he's in the AHL right now with the Chicago Wolves. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're going to, like, Ottawa's going to loan him there uh, so he can be there for the rest of the year or they'll bring him to Belleville uh, to their farm team. But uh, either way, he'll stay at AHL and, you know, uh, in a couple of years uh, could be a, a big piece for them. But, I mean, uh, in my opinion, I just, you know, it's they got a, a top end prospect back and a second round pick, but mm-hmm. I still think maybe you could have got another, you know, uh, like take out Oscar Lindbergh. I mean, I know he was there just basically as a body because now they need people on their roster uh, who make money. 
uh, so they can <laughs> stay over the cap. But I mean, maybe adding in another second or a third or something. I don't know. It's just it's just yeah. feels complete for me. Um, as for Vegas, a team that again the Sharks could potentially be playing in the first round. Um, you know, obviously they're not having the year they did last year, but no, you know, <laughs> that was that was also an incredible thing they did last year. But you know, that solidifies that that top six of theirs now. Um, you get a, a actual, you know, a really good player, a really good, you know, goal scorer, um, and that, you know, makes them scary again. And, and um, you know, I, I know that they've kind of, like I said, they haven't had the magic that they had last year. Uh, William Carlson, who was like the breakout player last year, is kind of struggling this year, but maybe this lights something with them. Um, I, you know, you don't know, uh, but... Yeah, I mean that was that was a huge trade. We, you know, there's a lot of things going around that he was going to resign, and then he's not going to resign. They're definitely moving him. They end up moving him, and here we are. Uh, the Ottawa Senators blow it up, and Vegas gets stronger. And uh, I, I think as a whole, I think you know, I will say this. I think as a whole, the top teams in, in the NHL really did a good job at getting maybe that extra piece to push them over. I mean. You know, you have, uh, especially in the West, I should say, really the West made their moves. You got Nashville, Winnipeg, uh, San Jose, Vegas, all making uh, potentially key moves. Uh, you know, at, it, it's only one player, but you're adding a guy that could, you know, really change something. So I think the West really kind of showed out. Um, you, had, you know, obviously Columbus making a lot of a lot of moves before the mm. deadline and Boston kind of, you know, picking up Johansson and stuff like that. But yeah, like I said, the West really bulking up. Um, so yeah, that is the wrap up there uh, for the NHL trade deadline. Always one of my favorite days of the NHL season. Uh, love watching uh, TSN through the ESPN app, which is cool. Um, and being able to watch Canada's uh, broadcast of it. Um, By the way, is, is TSN like it, is it with the plus thing for ESPN? Yeah. Or no? so, so it used to just be regular, but I guess since they got the subscription, uh, they have it on there. But yeah, I, I have ESPN Plus, so I watched it through there. And, can you can uh, you stream TSN regularly or just for special things? I, I think just for special things like that. Okay, I, I was gonna say. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I've if, if they did liked, it regularly, I might have, I might actually consider buying ESPN Plus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always liked the content. Like I've, I've been because they usually stream it on, or put it on NHL Network, but yeah, they lost the uh, rights, I guess. And I, How do you I would do that? Watch TSN. Yeah, really. Uh, I, don't I, don't know. I mean, TSN like for anything hockey, I think is always the best. So yeah, I agree. I, I you know, uh, watch that. But mm. let's talk about the uh, <laughs> one. It's like a detour. One non-hockey thing that we're going to talk about at the beginning of the podcast here, uh, like a, a kind of one out of left field. So Jason Witten, uh, long-time <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, one year on the Mo- Monday Night Football booth, oh. back to the Cowboys. Uh, He's 36, by the way, everybody. Yeah. Um, apparently, I don't know, all of a sudden yesterday, like nothing, you know, I didn't get any updates, and then I just see this, and like, He's coming out of retirement. Uh, it's a one-year deal with the Cowboys worth 30, uh, not 30, holy fuck, uh, $3.5 million, um, but it could go up to $5 million. We are throwing a lot of zeros around in this podcast. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with uh, max, it could be a max of $5 million with uh, the bonuses and incentives and stuff like that. But, yeah. um, 
you know, uh, for for the Cowboys. I mean, Jason Witten, uh, you know, he was never the best uh, fantasy guy ever. But, you mm-hmm. know, for, for the past couple of years, I should share the end of his career, uh, the first part of his career. But uh, always one of the best, you know, blockers and, and was just always there if you needed a first down and uh, a clutch touchdown. So, this, I mean, it's a uh, good pickup for uh, the Cowboys. Um, you know, he's going to return after 16 seasons. Uh, and like I said, he joined the Monday Night Football crew uh, on ESPN for the past season, which uh, I wasn't a fan of him. Uh, I will say this. I, I wasn't really a fan of uh, his commentary. He made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest one was uh, actually at the Pro Bowl. Uh, when talking about Eric Ebron and Pat, like, cause the Patrick Mahomes threw a touchdown to Eric Ebron, Patrick Mahomes on Kansas city and Eric Ebron on Indianapolis. Uh, and then after the touchdown, Witten proceeded to say, yeah, Ebron's been Mahomes guy all year. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of been floating yeah. around, but yeah, I mean, he just, I wasn't a really big fan of him. So, no. you know, Win for Monday Night Football if you're a fan of Monday Night Football. I also, I mean, I just don't like the whole cast of Monday Night Football. You know, no. But he was part I don't think of anybody it. likes Monday Night Football in general because I mean we, we've just, talked about this before. Well, like it's funny because like you know back when back in you know ten fifteen years ago it was like Monday Night Football was this huge thing and oh yeah uh, Monday Night ESPN and now it's kind of like lost that charm a little bit. Um, Monday Night Football, watch the Colts take on the Falcons. What a fucking game. I mean, that was also when, uh, you know, they had Tarico there doing it. Mike Tarico yeah. was announcing the game, so like that. It yeah. just lost that. Um, it, so he stayed retired. Wednesday retired for approximately 10 months. He retired on yeah. April 27th, 2018. That's funny. This has also brought up some things because, I, and I think this is kind of just like a funny video he put up. But Demarcus Ware, um, who was a Cowboy for a long time, and then obviously won a Super Bowl with the Broncos, uh, posted a video um, on Twitter saying, you know, how he feels good and he, should he come back. And of course, he's got the comments section going crazy. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean. Uh, I know football age is a little bit different because the abuse those guys take, but I mean, what did you say? Is 30, 35, 36? 36. 30, I mean, you know, that that's obviously older, but I mean, if he still feels good and can can do it and still has the, the will to compete, why not? Um, you know, I think, like I said, he was to me, he was always that guy that just was a clutch player. Um and and he comes back for the Cowboys and uh, of course everything with the Cowboys is always kind of blown out of proportion. So you know you got Cowboys fans talking about how this is definitely the ticket to them going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I couldn't even get that out without laughing. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I mean it's a it's a good pickup for them. Uh, but uh, you know what? We'll, we'll kind of have to see what happens. Um, you know, it is older legs, and does he maybe play a few games and then uh, and do really well, but by the end of the year, kind of lose it a little bit because his body just can't take it. I don't know. 
uh, we will wait and see through this uh, through this season. I just I he so he you know the, the quote was he's going to come back and help Dallas win a championship. Man, you have a long way to go. Yeah, uh, you have. But- a long way to go. By the way, a lot of the fans are telling Romo to come back, and that's something I don't advocate because Romo no. is the best announcer in the NFL right now. <laughs> he is, man. I mean, like, it's I absurd. love watching Romo. Whoever man. made the compilation of him at the end of the season is a god because it really that that was him at any any given point. He always knew what was coming exactly. every yep. single time. Yeah. Uh it's it's. Oh God, it's he's so fun to listen to, man. I can't wait for next season with him. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, it does beg the question: Who uh, should go into the booth for Monday Night Football? One of the names out there, which I would love to see, and I, I know you don't really follow him. I don't even know if at all, but I do a lot because he's he does a podcast and stuff. Is Pat McAfee, who used to be a punter for the Colts? Yeah, is uh, he been doing stuff with Barstool? Like, yeah, isn't that so, his dick right yeah, now? yeah. Right, so he he joined. He actually retired in the NFL to join Barstool. Uh, he he said that he kind of like fell out of love with football, and this opportunity yeah. came up, and he took it. Uh, but they had him announce a game at the end of the season on Week 17, and it was fucking mm-hmm. gold. And this man is one of the funniest people ever. He does stand up comedy. He does a podcast. He just um, did. A, he just did a, a series of skits with WWE this past week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yes. I, I do follow him. I don't listen to him much, but I, I do follow him on Twitter and everything else. And he's always talking. So, right, um, yeah, yeah. He, he does like a weekly podcast that I listen to, and he's just he's so funny. But like, that's a lot. Of, that's like the. It seems like a lot of the fans want. Um, I would love that. I like I said, I just was not a big fan of that Monday Night Crew at all. Sure. Um, I don't even know that. I I know like. The they had like that sideline guy. His name's like Booger McFarland. Uh, he used to play uh, <laughs> a name like that doesn't belong that. anywhere else but TV. But yeah, I mean, he used to play for the Bucks. I want to say, um, and then, I don't even know the main guy's I don't name. Know this guy, I, I Booger know. McFarland. Everyone, I'm sorry, that's name's gonna be fucking used <laughs> for the next week. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't even know the main guy's name. But I just never really liked it. So maybe. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't think they will because it's ESPN, but that maybe they revamp it a little bit with Witten mm-hmm. going and kind of see. But uh, yeah. just a note there, uh, footnote of the one uh, non-hockey thing before the baseball talk we have later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is for the quick picks. Um, Speaking of hockey, since I, I believe we're going back to that, is uh, I just you know turned the Flyers game for a moment and I see Ryan Hartman throwing hits. So exactly what I just said. <laughs> Yeah. So, but all right. Yeah, you can move on. Uh, so, me and Bobby, obviously, being the hockey fans of the group, haven't been, haven't. I should say this: haven't had one. You know, we've wanted to talk a lot about hockey, and maybe haven't as much as we wanted to. But with are you the, okay? I don't know. <laughs> with it just being us this week, uh, yeah. we, I I know I was stuttering through that. I don't know what's happening. I think we're missing we're missing through. some voices today, and believe it or not, that screws us up really hard. But, I mean, it does give us a chance to talk about hockey. So we're It does. We've hijacked more. the show now. So, you know we what? Have. So, the trade deadline is now over, and now it's that part of the season where it's a, just the grind to the playoffs. Uh, and this year, um, you know, I, I think every year, but it just, I, I guess it's really recency bias more than every, anything. Um, we have some races this year for playoff spots. That's, it's... It's tight, man. There's some tight races. 
uh, especially in the Western Conference. Um, like I said, with uh, the their trade deadline gone now, um, and teams basically solidified with the rosters they have, uh, we wanted to do some predictions for who we think gets in and the kind of the spots um, we think they get in. So I guess we'll we'll start in the East. Why not? Uh, Let's fucking go. Let's go. Go boys. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I mean, we, I I have the standings up now, and and I think we might have talked about this only a couple of weeks ago. But the the standings this year are pretty weird, especially for the Metro. So at yep. the top, where nobody had them, we have the New York New York Islanders at eighty one points. Behind them, Washington at seventy nine, and Columbus at seventy five. Um, the Atlantic is pretty set. Um, this was the same order last year. And I th- I think most people had. I, I mean, I, I oh, there's Toronto, one team set. There, there's one yeah. team set. Tampa, Tampa is not. Is they're not, not fucking around. Yeah, Tampa is holy shit, man. Forty nine wins, twelve losses, four overtime losses, one hundred and two points. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, they still have seventeen games left, I think. Uh, if yeah, fifteen, sixteen, right, seventeen. Yeah, yep. Seven. Yep. Uh, and Jesus Boston in second, Christ. and Toronto in third, which again looks like a potential matchup again this year. Um, but you know the wild card race right now in the East is is pretty interesting, and not I mean like I said I think the Atlantic is pretty solidified. You have Montreal right now in the first wild card spot, but I don't think they jump up into the top three in the Atlantic. Uh, so right now, I mean for me, I think really the spots to look at are. You know the third spot in the Metropolitan and the Wild Card. Uh, so, like I said, right now Montreal uh, having a fabulous season for what they were projected to have um, are in the first Wild Card spot with 75 points. Carolina in the second with 74 points, uh, a game less than than the uh, Canadians. Um, and then tied with uh, with Carolina uh, is Pittsburgh, who's sitting a point out of the playoffs at 74. And uh, if you go down a little bit, the Philadelphia Flyers, who not too long ago were a lot more points out than they are now, uh, only six points out of 68 points. Uh, yeah, Florida there. I would say those are really maybe even Buffalo. Uh, Florida and Buffalo at 66. But, I, you know, those are basically your teams there. So with that being said, uh, you know, who, where, what are we thinking here? So I, I guess I'll, I'll give – kind of my thoughts first so i think for the mesh like i said the atlantic i think is pretty much set uh, maybe boston and toronto flip-flop but i don't know but for the metro i do think the islanders will continue their ways and kind of stay where they are i believe washington like i could see washington taking over one and islanders going to that i could see uh, i actually think that probably will happen um with them only being two points behind but Columbus, as we talked about, I mean, they really bolstered up for the playoffs. So, as a, I'll ask you. I mean, with your team being in that division, like, what? How do you feel about Columbus right now with the team that they've kind of bolstered and they're going for it this year? Like, do they scare you, or is it just like, you know, more, more? They just kind of did it for no reason, kind of deal. Uh, Columbus is, is, is interesting to me. Um, I, I, I cannot sit here and say they're not a threat. They're, they're a team that if put against, uh, I would definitely be scared of. And I, I honestly don't think I'd be confident enough to say that they could, um, totally beat Columbus in a playoff series. I really don't. Um, Columbus is just interesting because it, they're, they're, they have a really weird factor with them where it's basically, uh, win now or die. Um, considering the, uh, free agency situation that they're going to be in, uh, starting next season. So, 
Columbus is interesting. Uh, they're definitely a threat, no doubt. Um, I, uh, if I were to put them, I would probably say I'm trying to think. So if they're third, they're who would probably be their matchup? Um, they'd probably be. Well, it would it, if they were third, it would either be Washington. Like right now, it would be Washington. Washington, right? Yeah, and I think Washington has them pretty beat. But if they were to play, if they were to move and. I'll play with like a team like Montreal, Carolina. They probably take them. I I, I don't think there's well, any debate about like, that. Like I think, I think if Washington goes up to the one, you'd have yeah. two versus three, which would be Islanders and Columbus. Like I think right. Columbus could take the Islanders. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but yeah. I mean, I'm saying that because like looking at the Islanders roster, they sh- they should not be where they are. Right. But like so, like I almost feel like I'm disrespecting them. Maybe I am, but I just think Columbus would take them there. No, I'm I'm with you. The Islanders are we we've talked about this. They're a really weird squad. They're a team that gets a new coach and loses their best player. And now they're top of the East like that. <laughs> you just don't see that yeah. ever. Um, so it's a really weird thing for them. Um, I, that being said, though, the fact that the Islanders had this kind of run is not something to really sneeze at. So, um, I, I'm not counting them out yet, but I, I definitely would say that Columbus would have uh basically I think anybody. Uh, I don't think that they don't have Tampa Bay. Nobody has Tampa Bay. Um, they might compete with Boston and Toronto, and uh, I think they have Montreal and Carolina beat. Uh, they could compete with the Islanders, and I think they'd definitely lose to Washington is what I would say for Columbus. Um, if the question is more so, would they hold that three spot? Will they go to the wild card? Um, depending on who makes these next few runs, if Pittsburgh all of a sudden goes crazy, which they might, you never know. Um, and you might see Columbus start to fall a little bit to the last wild card spot is where I'd probably say, but I, they could definitely stay if they wanted to. I think they definitely have the potential to do it. I, I will say the team that, and I know they're struggling this year, but the team I would still be afraid of if I was the East is Pittsburgh. Um, they're, they're that team, man. It's, it's, it's a team like they've, they've been, they haven't been good this season. I mean, the fact that they're not, they're, we're at this part of the season and they're not in, um, they're not in the playoffs right now. Um, yeah, it is is something to behold. It's something you're not used to for Pittsburgh, but you know you compare them, and I or um, you know easy comparison in the NFL to the Patriots, right? A team who I don't think anybody really had uh, going to the Super Bowl this year, and look at that, they go and end up winning, right? So Pittsburgh's kind of that team. They always have the good players that they might just be able to make a run toward the end. I mean, any um, team, any team with like as your top two centers being Crosby and Malkin, like we'll have a chance. Yep. And, and Matt Murray is struggling this year. Um, yes. And I think, I mean, that's uh, really, I mean, a lot of what it comes down to. I mean, the Sharks are kind of defying the odds this year because they have two goaltenders with under 900 safe percentage, and they are they are where they're at, which is kind of incredible. Mm. But, I mean, that could very well catch up to them soon. I mean, Pittsburgh is struggling, but, hey, man, like Matt Murray has proven – I mean, he already has two Stanley Cups to his name. He's proven that he can do it, and he's right. a really good goaltender. I mean, if he turns it on in that offense you have, I mean, like, just for example, say they get into the second wire card spot and they have to play Tampa in the first round, Tampa yeah. probably wins that series. However, I think I think Tampa lights them up too. How I don't know, man. Like, if I'm Tampa and I'm looking at the possible wire card teams, I don't want to play them. Like, I'd rather play, like, a Car- like I'd I rather mean, play yeah. Carolina. Oh, I, I mean, ideally, if Tampa Bay had a choice between Pittsburgh and Carolina, or even Montreal, for that matter, you pick Carolina or Montreal. But I, I, I think Tampa's just too good. Well, I think so, too. Like, I'm, like I'm saying, I mean, they might win in five or six games. Like, I'm not saying they wouldn't, but, like, 
I feel like Pittsburgh will give them a fight, and there's some some you know nastiness in that series. Look, listen, if 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 Tampa Bay plays Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh wins that series, I think I'm jumping off the wall, women. No joke. Like, <laughs> okay. like I, but it because it, it's 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 stupid. I cannot I I can't stand this team. Obviously, because I'm a Philadelphia fan. But like like I said, I compared them to the Patriots earlier, and I'm a fan of that team. So I, I really. Can't say a whole lot, but what I what I can say is that I fucking hate this team, and I swear to God, they beat a team that's basically you know fucking dynasty level at the moment with the way they're playing. Uh, I I'm not gonna know what I'm gonna do with myself, and then basically the whole East goes out the window. All the predictions for the East goes out the window if Tampa Bay's out. So yeah, whatever you know. And I know I'm gonna put fucking ne- like I did with Nashville last year in my fucking bracket, and then all of a sudden you know the person who picks Vegas, I don't wins. Know, yeah, <laughs> wins the whole goddamn thing. One person. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I just think Pittsburgh's here. I, I don't know. I mean, I, to be honest, I, I haven't watched as much hockey as I usually do this year. Um, but, like, you know, because I haven't really watched that much Montreal. I mean, I know Carey Price has kind of come back to his normal self, uh, and, and that's kind of why they're having success. But oh, You mean he's uh, not hurt? Yeah, really. What's normal self in terms of Carey Price? But I mean, the next team, obviously, that I want to talk about is your Flyers, and and I know we <sighs> talked about them earlier, so let's not spend too much time. However, yeah. if you had an unbiased, like an unbiased opinion about this team, <sighs> they're six points out uh, right now. Do you think they can get in with the teams above them? Oh my God, I, it, it's it's annoying because I I think we have I, I, I we don't beat Pittsburgh. Um, I'll say that. But if it was us against Carolina, us against Montreal, I think we have a shot. I really do. I um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like I, I, I'll sorry, say a shot. Off. I'll say a shot. Not we're gonna win, but a it, shot. It, it's just one of those things that's like, like you expect Montreal to like kind of fall off at some point. But I mean, there's 64 games into the season. Like, there's not gonna like all like you know usually teams will fall off earlier. Like, I mean, they are playing really well. I just but, don't know if, if the Flyers can catch. I, like, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Can they? Can so, Carolina, Montreal slip up and the Flyers catch them? So we're, we have 18 games left, both Montreal and Philadelphia, respectively. Well, after tonight, uh, 17, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're currently sitting at a point where we are seven points out from Montreal at the moment. Montreal is at the top of the wild card spot. Um, if you know anything about Philadelphia and and what they they tend to do during this part of the season, uh, they streak. <laughs> um, Flyers are a very streaky team, and if you haven't been paying attention this season, they've done the same thing the past two seasons, especially last year, with a 10-loss streak and a 10-win streak, respectively, by yeah. the way. Um, <laughs> and this year, I think, what did they get to? I think they got to 8 or 7. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Uh, well, another big streak, and I know they were definitely on like a 5-6 loss streak at some point in the season as well, probably toward the beginning where everything was just gray and terrible. Um, it... There, there's a new resurgence in this team right now when it comes to their goaltender um, now with Ryan Hartman um, and obviously uh, Hackstall being gone. Um, there's a new system with this team. There's a, a new life in this team, and it, it would not surprise me in the very least if Philadelphia went streaking again and ended up taking the bottom wild card spot. Now, Pittsburgh's still a, a problem. Uh, Montreal is still good, um, but like I said, if I'm putting Philadelphia and Montreal next to each other and said, who's going to make the big run for the wild card spot. I'm going with Philly. Um, I'm not just old strong team, no doubt, but 
I don't know. I just I, I know what Philadelphia does around this time every season. So it, it's hard yeah. to bet against that kind of thing sometimes. But like I said, Pittsburgh's still there. I mean, Philadelphia six three and one in their last ten, and Montreal four five and one. I mean, Carolina right now is the team that like is kind of not coming out of nowhere because they were there, but they're yeah. eight and two, they're eight and two in their last ten and kind of had that. You know, they're they're just surging right now. Uh-huh. I, nice. I, I I didn't mean that, but it worked out. <laughs> um, oh, you mean the Carolina jerks? You mean those guys? The bunch of jerks. Yeah, yeah the bunch of jerks. Uh, I want that fucking shirt. I don't know, man. Like, I want to. I want to say, like, out of these four teams, I would say, I would say that the Flyers on paper are the second best, but just them being six That's points exactly. out. And this is what I keep saying is that you look at the Flyers on paper. That's not a bad team. It really yeah. isn't. Um, it's just, well, there's a million fucking things that happened this season that we've already talked about in this podcast a hundred times. So I'm not even going to get into it, but it's, it, here's, here's the thing. And I think this is a question of what should we do? Right? So this off is huge for us um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, now the Carter hearts up, right? It's, it might be go time. Um, there's still the possibility of Coach Q coming and joining Philadelphia, as as it's not talked about often anymore. But every once in a while, it gets brought back up. Um, it's either Gordon gets the job, which it is possible, but I don't. For some reason, I don't see that. Um, so whoever they decide to hire over the over the off season and fully, you know, state as full time head coach, will be interesting to see. So there's that happening. Um, number two, this is Fletcher's first off season with uh, Philadelphia, and you know beat writers have been saying there's there's rumblings of of some moves that might be made over over the offseason i know that doesn't mean much but given the situation that philadelphia is going to be in with having a ton of ufas especially three goalies at the end of the season which seriously what the fuck um you know there's, there's going to be some signings um it, it, if we don't make the playoffs it's going to be I don't want to say a blow up because our core players are definitely going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Coots is still going to be here. I mean, I mean, they're on long contracts. Coots, Voracek, uh, who got the A, by the way. Congrats to Voracek for getting the A. I've mm-hmm. uh, been waiting for that for a long time. Um, Coots, Drew, Carter Hart, um, got to spare. Possibly. I mean, there's there's some people been picking up the trade thing for him. But anyway, what, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, if we don't make the playoffs, there might be more impact over the offseason than would be if we did. Right. Because then there might be some resignings that happen that might not have happened if the Flyers didn't make or uh, didn't make the playoffs. So I don't know what I want to happen. I, I always want us to make the playoffs. Right. You never know. You never know when something special is going to happen. You know that you don't know how the hell you got to the cup that year. You really have no we're, idea. I mean, really, the last time the because weren't the I, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought the Flyers were the eight seed when they made it to the. Uh, I, I might be wrong. They they, they were they were fighting hard. I'm I, I can't remember. Um, finals. Let me let me see. Uh, when we made it to the finals in uh yeah 2010 or whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, let me look back. Actually, let me oh. see if I can find that. But um, like I said, you never know with this this type of team. Uh, 2010, we were top. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, was we, were the, we were the Atlantic then. <laughs> That's weird. That's Hundred, yeah, isn't that weird to hear? Hundred and six point season. Oh wow. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, either way, I mean, there's been teams in the past that have been, you know, eight seeds and have kind of succeeded. I mean, eight sure. in the old system, eight seeds. It, but it, it happens, man. I mean, you could, you could, you could, you know, Mister uh, Premier League fan over there could point to Leicester. 
for, yeah. for that kind of thing happening. You know what yeah. I mean? It's something special. You never know. And I, I'm not going to yeah. sit here and say the Flyers are special, but what I am saying is that you never can truly count one team out. There's always something that they have that they can use when it's when it, when it comes for go time, right? And the Flyers are one of those teams that, you know, it, it looks very, very grim for most of the season. I mean, the, but the fact that they're still you know, two spots out of the wild card and only six points out of it with about 18, 17 games left. And knowing that the team can get very, very streaky at really any point, it, it, it's safe to say that they have a, a shot at getting in this time. It really, at this point, all depends on what Pittsburgh, Carolina, and Montreal do. Pittsburgh yeah. can get streaky as well. And I just can't stand Pittsburgh in general. Um, <laughs> but but you, you said it right earlier. I mean, that team's still good. Um, it, yeah. it'll, it'll be interesting. The East is a very interesting picture, but if there's one constant, it's fucking Tampa Bay. I don't, I mean, as good as the, like, you know, the East is that way. The West this year has been something else, yeah. which, you know, I, we're going to get to now. So I, the West is very top heavy this year. I feel like, yep. um, you know, so let's look at the division here. So in the central Nashville is leading, um, with 79 points right behind them. Uh, with three less games played, I should say. Winnipeg at 78. Uh, and then St. Louis Blues out of fucking nowhere. 8-1-1 uh, in the last 10 games are at 74 points. They're flying, dude. They're flying. Yeah. Well, they finally got a goalie that can stop pucks yeah. because, yeah. look, I, I have... <laughs> I haven't even looked at my fantasy hockey team in a long time. I won. Um, I, I got eliminated last week. But Jake Allen was one of my goalies, and his save percentage was terrible. Uh, they got um, I can't even think of his first name right now, but Binghamton in, um, and and he's done wonders for them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're a surging team. Uh, and then in the in the Pacific. Um, again, very top, very top heavy. Uh, this division: Calgary at 89 points, the Sharks at 82, and Vegas at 73. But where it gets interesting is the wild card race because there is approximately, I would say, eight, maybe nine teams that could win, that could get the wild card. Right now, as we're recording, um, Dallas is at the in the first wild card spot with 69 points. Uh, and Minnesota is um, is uh, in second with 68 points. Now, right behind them in third, <laughs> Colorado with 68. In fourth, Arizona with 67. A little bit of a drop off, Chicago with 63. Vancouver with 63. Edmonton with 61. So, I mean, you have, what, nine teams within eight points of each other. Uh, and, you know, like I, I think. Maybe maybe Dallas can somehow go up and take St. Louis's spot, but I'm pretty sure like the top six teams in the West are pretty set, so it's really all in the wild card. And like I said, I got about nine teams there. Um, so we'll look at that. Like Dallas uh, has been Dallas has been a team this year, which I think for the past couple of years have had a lot of high hopes. And, you know, they're in a playoff spot right now, which is good. Um, I'm sure they would like to be in the top three in the Central. But um, kind of the same problem with them every year is, again, like a lot of teams goaltending. Uh, they finally have found some of that luck uh, this year with Anton Hudobin taking over the net for the majority of the year. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, they sit there and, and the Wild are a weird team because they, you know, seem to be a team that they're in the playoffs, but they, excuse me, seem to be a team that was almost wanted to deal at the deadline. Um, and Colorado there with 68. Arizona, a team that I had a lot of high hopes for at the beginning of the year. They're right there. They're eight and two in their last 10. Um, but yeah. I I know they're a little bit out of this, and I know they probably won't make it in, but I'm just saying they could be a thorn in some team sides at at by the end of the year. Chicago Blackhawks, just just watch out because I it's because it's fucking Chicago. Well, that, but I'll say this about this team. Yep, they have done some, you know, they last year had a terrible year. They were expected to be bad again. But Patrick Kane right now is having an MVP caliber season. Uh, they've and it's been going unnoticed, by the way. Like nobody's yeah, talking really about is. this. It, it, honestly, it really is. Um, which is like it's crazy. But you know they're they're doing like he's doing wonders there. Um, they have been without uh, Corey Crawford for majority of the year. They just got him back, which is only going to make the team better. Um, it's, <laughs> I'm just saying, man, watch out for them. I mean, Patrick mm-hmm. Kane right now, 94 points. Uh, you know, he's second in the league behind Kucherov, who, you know, nobody's going to catch him for points at 104. Nope. But yeah, Patrick nope. Kane is having a hell of a year. Um, 40 goals, 54 assists, 94 points. Uh, and he's kind of carrying that team this year. And like I said, I'm not saying that you know, right now, you know, they're five points out of a playoff spot. So it's very attainable, and I don't know if they will get in. But that's that's a team that even if they don't get in, they could cause a team to slip out because of a tough late, you know, late season game. Um, I, I think, you know, I think Vancouver and Edmonton are out. I, I don't see them getting in. Vancouver is still a young team, and they've had a decent year for their Standards Vancouver's tied with Chicago currently, though. I mean, they the are, last I, ten, but I, I just don't, you know, they're, they're, they've, they had a very good start to the year, and they've kind of, sort of struggled in the back half. Um, and like I said, I mean, for the, for the team they have, which is a young team that's in a rebuilding phase, you know, they really have had a, a, a decent year by their standards. Um, Edmonton is just. It's a sad time there. Um, yep. You know, your your Connor McDavid is not not a happy camper uh, right now, um, and you know he's they're kind of wasting that year. But I would say, you know, in my opinion, there is five teams there that are battling for two spots. Um, I think Dallas does get in. I, I mean, if I'm honest, I think. Dallas and Minnesota are probably the two teams I would predict getting in. Um, but all I'm saying is, you know, Arizona and Chicago are two teams that are a little scary right now. Here's the thing. Dallas is going to get in, and I hope they do so they can flip off their GM, who's an asshole. Yeah, um, really. <laughs> uh, seriously. I'll have a soft pop for Tyrus Hagen, personally. Um, anyway. But Minnesota, yeah, they're going to get in and then lose first round again. So, yeah, I, that's their I, MO. Yeah, it, it really is. I, I that the team doesn't make any sense. No. Um, how do you do this consistently? Some some teams would kill for this type of position. By the way, I, I don't know. I mean, Colorado, like it, the, it's such a. I mean, I it's very. I feel like I'm keep repeating myself, but like 
you know, these are very good teams. Like, it's teams here that – and it's just really the way the NHL are now. Like, if I'm in Nashville or a Calgary at this point, like, you know, Minnesota I think is a team I would want to play. And, and, you know, but Dallas, Colorado – like Colorado is always a team that they're a very fast team. Like, yeah. you know, they're, they're kind of scary in that right. And Chicago just being, like I said, Patrick Kane the year he's having in Arizona, very well for themselves as well. It, it's just the way the NHL is. It's a very competitive league. Um, there's there's a difference between like a team that's solid and a team that's good. Minnesota is yeah. a team that is always solid. Yeah, make the playoffs, lose the first round. Like they're not, they don't have anything high caliber to really put them anywhere else. Colorado has that that good potential, right? And so does Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it would not surprise me if Colorado took that second spot. I think Dallas stays. Like I, I agree with you there. I think Colorado has the potential to take that second spot. I think they have Arizona and Chicago. Be personally, that's just me though. I, I, you know, like it, the NHL is just a league now. Where if Nashville did play Minnesota, like we're a league, huh? We're a league. Well, we're yeah, we're a league. If Nashville played Dallas first round, like I could easily see Dallas winning that round. Like I know Nashville is a better team, but you know the NHL is just so competitive. It really, yep. it, it's uh, it's crazy. But it's just the know. point. It's just the point totals that get to me in the West that I think just yeah. drive me nuts every time I look at. It. Like the fact that. Um, four teams are five point are within five points of the wildcard position. It's insane. Yeah. In the sixties, whereas, yeah. you know, Flyers are have 68 and, and this isn't me trashing the, you know, I'm Dallas will beat us if we ever played them. I'm sure. Um, Flyers are 68 points and are two points out on the top in the wild card of 75 and 74, respectively. Like, it's just yeah. every time I look at the West, I'm like, what the fuck is going yeah, on down? The West is very top heavy this year. Yep. Um, I agree. But I mean, it does make for an interesting wild card race. Which... So, what, so, what's your total outlook for you for your Sharks, if I, if I may ask? Um, God, man, I, I'm just scared because like, I'm scared about the first round matchup with Vegas. Like, I, I, I believe in this team. Um, I really do. I think if I did have, I mean, the th- the thing that's going to hold them back is, like I said, they can't give a puck out of their net right now. But mm-hmm. they also kind of had that problem the year they made it to the finals. And then when they made it, they got to the playoffs. Martin Jones stood on his head like you would not believe mm-hmm. and, and carried them there. And if he, you know, he's a good goalie. I think part of the reason, like, I don't really think it's all on him at all this year. I think that um, the Sharks have a good defense in terms of, good puck moving and good offensive defense. They are not a good defensive, right? like defensive defense team. And they've kind of left their goalies at the dry this year. If mm-hmm. they can clean up some of that and, you know, maybe the goalie, like Jones in particular, but even Dell uh, down the stretch here, if they can come up with some saves, you know, some big saves, big saves, uh, big save, that, big uh, that maybe they weren't making in the regular season um, or early in the regular season, you know, if they can go, but yeah, man, I mean, Vegas in the first round, that would be tough uh, just because obviously, you know, us losing them last year, we don't have a good record against Vegas since they've been in the league and just having to Which go has to been Vegas, only a year, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and having to go to Vegas for potentially three out of seven games, 
it's, it, that would be that would be rough. But um, you know, I think for you know, as a Sharks uh, as a Sharks fan, um, the year that they went to the Cup final at at the beginning of the year and throughout the year, I had I had a feeling that that team was special and could do something special. Yeah. Um, and they made it to the finals. Um, I have that same feeling about this team this year. Yeah. Um, that I didn't have last year, uh, or you know, the year before. Um, or or yeah, last year. So, um, yeah, I I think like I said, if they can kind of clean up some shit, um, they could be a threat. Um, but it's gonna be a fun time if you're uh, if you're if you're a hockey hockey. fan. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're a hockey fan, this is the time to buckle up and watch because now it's the grind of the playoffs and positioning. Yeah, like so, playoff hockey basically starts now. Yeah, it really does. I mean, you know, obviously teams are. Gonna, like you have teams that <laughs> for Tampa they're not moving anywhere. So I mean nope. they they honestly might get bored in March. But you know you got some teams jockeying for home ice and position and stuff like that, and it's gonna be fun. So uh, always a fun time after the I trade always, deadline. I always this think is, about the, uh, the 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 gif of uh, Steph Curry warming up before a game after they already clinched, where he's throwing a basketball like a baseball in warm ups. Yeah, that's yeah. basically what I picture Tampa Bay doing for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. No, it should be good. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a good race. All right, and now we are gonna move on to our second big topic of the podcast, and uh, this is again special because we have some guests—not one, but two. Uh, so you know what? For this, because Bobby is such a nice man and wrote some more bios, I will hand it over to him to give you the guest for this podcast. Absolutely, thank you, Tyler. I am happy, happy to. Welcome once again, Mr. John Travers, to the show. And in case you forgot, John Travers is a student filmmaker and Baltimore native and diehard Baltimore sports fan. He doesn't believe in Lamar Jackson and Rudy is his favorite player. He is the biggest shark Rocket League has ever seen. He has come back for more today on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Travers. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back, guys. Yep. You, you. And I wasn't ready for that. And our second guest is actually my other roommate uh, who has decided to come on and, and receive some hate today. Uh, Mr. Will Johnston uh, is also a stone filmmaker, but he's actually a Philadelphia native. Loud and proud, baby. And he's also a diehard Philly sports fan, but he finally came around to the Eagles last year. If he's not looking up baseball contracts online, he's attempting to build the perfect Philly squad on MLB The Show, which gives him just the tiniest sense of what a winning team is. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Will Johnston. Thank you very much, Bobby. Uh, didn't say it better myself. <laughs> uh, so we brought these two on today to talk about the big, probably you know, the biggest news of the week. Um, that's been a long, long couple of months for the MLB, but Bryce Harper has finally signed, along with as we talked about last week, and we will get into again Manny Machado signing, uh, and the Phillies land him. Uh, Bryce Harper gets a 13-year, 330 million dollar contract. Uh, with no opt-outs, which is a little bit interesting, uh, but um, and a no-trade clause as well on that too. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be a Philly for a long, long time. Uh, so I, I guess, yeah, I guess the first question I'll kind of ask everybody. I, we'll start with Bobby. Being, well, start with Bobby and Will being Phillies fans. Mm-hmm. Like, as Phillies fans, how how are we feeling right now? 
I, uh, I, well, real quick, I want to throw my girlfriend under the bus for a second because I was explained, <laughs> wow. I was trying to explain to her the contract yesterday and I, I, she's not, a, you know, a sports fan really. So, you know, I was trying to explain I, what I said first was, yeah, I was excited. You know, we got him and he's not going anywhere because he has a no opt out and he's, he's, so he's not able to leave the team for 13 years. And she goes, why would anybody want to do that? And I said, well, because he's making $330 million. Yeah. So, but no, I am. I was in class and me and Will texted back and forth, basically like, oh my God, we finally got him. Yes. It's about <laughs> fucking time. It was, it was getting dumb. Um, I know I heard a big collective sigh from all the beat writers yesterday. As soon as the news came out, um, the, I don't know how many of the, the, the Philly uh, based uh, beat writers you follow, but they, they had to do this every day. Like they had to figure out what is the newest rumor. And it was getting ridiculous from tracking planes to stupid Instagram posts and someone trying to fake the Harper nameplate on the locker room, which I saw a couple of days before he got signed. Um, the, it was smash, getting... the smash mouth expertise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, you know what? I'm excited now. I am excited. Um, it's about time that this happened. Like I said, it took forever, and I'm happy he's finally a Philly. Yeah, it's uh, well, I'll get to Will in a second, but I just want to say I, there's something ironic because you're talking about the beat writers. Um, we Brendy has been kind of taking shots at John Heyman on Twitter because every day he, you know, every day for probably the past three weeks he's been tweeting out like three times a day some just blank bullshit statement about Harper. And it would always end with like. Oh, Philly, maybe not the favorite, or Philly, this yeah, is it, the it, favorite. It would, it'd be like the Phillies are still the favorite, but there's like but, more teams involved. Right, and then it's, it's like, like, th- like three hours later, the Phillies, you know, look like they're going to get them, but still, you know, not sure yet. It was the dumbest shit. And then, yeah. of course, he was the first one to break it, that Harper sign, which was no, kind of. Course. Fucking annoying. Brandy should have done one final, uh, one final thanks, John. I hope. I hope. By the way, if anybody follows us on on Twitter, uh, twittercom slash network, I hope you guys enjoyed the meme that we had going on, thanking John every time he broke a new <laughs> piece about Harper every single fucking day. Yeah, so, terrible. Was I'm, I'm sad to see it go, but it was fun. But uh, yeah, well, what are, like, what are your thoughts on this? And and you know, talking about the money as well, like. 13 years, no opt-outs. Like, how are we all feeling about that as well? Um, I, I'm thrilled that they got one of them because, if anything, it does truly show that they are expecting to win now. And the fact that they had been building up this young core for the past few years, and then now this offseason they finally started to sort of disperse them. They traded Crawford um, in the Segura deal. They traded uh, Alfaro in the Rio Muto deal. So right now they've finally said – we want to compete now. Um, for a while, I was going back and forth between Harper and Machado, of who I preferred. I, before the Harper meeting in January, I was saying Machado. After the Harper meeting, I started to lean towards Harper. Probably would fit better in Philly. And for the amount he's signed for, um, it's a risky move no matter what because he of the inconsistency per se. Like He has a big cap if he can reach anything close to that MVP season. But he also has a fairly low low for the type of player he could be. So he's a player of extremes, which the Phillies should be fairly familiar with because Rollins had periods of that in the second half of his career. But I am happy with the average annual value in the 13-year span because the first like seven or eight years, I believe, of the deal is only $26 million, which for Harper 
it seemed like he could get 30 plus per year. And then for the back half, he's getting 22 million. So if the Phillies really are also thinking he's signing someone else this offseason, like Kimbrell or Keuchel, if their price and years drop, and maybe sign Trout when he becomes a if he becomes a free agent in a couple of years, I feel like they really set themselves up well for the next few years and to compete, especially in a really competitive East. Yeah, it's actually you know you mentioned about how um, you know they're they're trying to win now because I believe in that uh, uh, Ria uh, trade as well. They gave up Sixto Sanchez, who was one of the top pitching prospects in the league. I believe I, I I'm trying to remember what that deal was. Yeah, I know it was. They gave up. Yeah, it was um, Alfaro, Sixto Sanchez, um, and at least one minor league pitching prospect. There might have yeah. been another one. Yeah, because I know Sanchez was like always on the top 50 prospects for the MLB. But uh, interesting kind of article that came out of this as well. Um, the Phillies say they have sold uh, 100,000 tickets since getting Harper. Um, and I guess, I'm, let's say that includes... That not surprising. Jesus. Yeah. That, yeah. that includes just like so opening day is sold out. Um, so it just looks like it looks like you know single game packages and you know stuff like that as well. So yeah, hundred k. This is what I said. Time. This is what I joked about when if when we were joking last week that if he was going to go to the Marlins, like the stadium would actually be packed for the first couple of weeks <laughs> for like yeah. three days. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> cool thing Harper. about this whole Harper deal, though, is it's not just the fact that the Phillies are getting a really talented players. It's going to be huge for Philly in general. I mean, there's the talks now that supposedly he's like half recruiting Le'Veon Bell to come yeah, and play I with the Eagles, it. and the fact that yes, he's bringing in fans galore now so the Phillies can have at least more sold out crowds if not get to that streak that they had between like 08 and 2011 or 12 or something um so it's if anything it's big for Philly in general uh besides what you think of the player stats so yeah I mean because he sent out a tweet earlier I think it was today about you know Le'Veon you should come but yeah he's uh the the big ship finally fell, but it, it's now looking at the the roster for the Phillies. Um, I mean, it looks good. I mean, look, they're they're still a young team, obviously that is that has a lot of room to grow, but they can also be good now. Um, kind of like a situation uh, comparing it to another sport with the Toronto Maple Leafs when you know they got Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, they weren't expected to be good right away, and now they're one of the best teams in the East, but. You know, with the with the Phillies, you got Segura over the off season, which I thought was a good pickup. Obviously, Hoskins is going to improve. Um, Mikel Franco still at third, uh, and now the the outfield situation gets a little bit interesting because you bring Harper in, who's obviously going to be your main guy there. Uh, but they sign, and by the way, Will and John might not know, but I'm a Pirates fan, so you know, actually, the Phillies' best outfielder is not. Bryce Harper, it's Andrew McCutcheon because <laughs> uh, he's the best player in the whole goddamn league, and I wish he was still a pirate. But uh, yeah, you got him, you got uh, Herrera, you got Nick Williams, Altair. You know, I I think Altair is probably the odd man out there, but yeah. it's kind of a, a no. Not, it, it's a good problem to have, I guess. Um, so I mean, going into the season uh, with Harper now, what do you think are you know? Where do you think they can go? You think they can, you know, win the NL East and make some? Oh, I absolutely think they could win the NL East. The NL East is in a situation where uh, it could go. It's a coin toss, pretty much, for who's going to get the top. I do feel like one of the wild card teams, if not both, we're going to come out of the East also, um, because everything's going to be so competitive. 
Um, I now saying they could get both also might be sort of a backfire because if you have so many close teams, the team that wins a division might not have a whole lot of wins. It might only be like 90, 91, even though they're a team that could produce like 95, 96 because everyone's so competitive. Um, so I like about the National League in general um, is just the fact that it's very competitive right now. It, compared to the American League where you know the Red Sox and the Yankees are going to be there for the East, maybe the Rays in like a year or two, and then you have the um, – and the then Astros. you have the Indians and the Astros yeah. for uh, was it the the Central? I think they're both yeah. in or no the, no, the, the Astros are in the West. Yeah, the Indians are the Central, yeah. and then the Astros are in the West, and then that leaves one wild card spot that anyone could take, really. And so that's not really much compared right. to everything else for the American League. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's uh, especially so. What I want to get into now is kind of comparing. Machado and uh, Harper, uh, because yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that too. And uh, being a Pirates fan, kind of just going on like that, like the NL Central um, has, you know, obviously it has its bad teams like the Pirates, uh, but like even the Pirates last year were above 500 and finished fourth in, or third or fourth in their division. So it's a very competitive league, but yeah, comparing stats with the um, with or um, so comparing contracts rather with Machado and Harper. So yeah, uh, Harper gets the you know three what was a three hundred and thirty million for thirteen, uh, and um, Machado gets three hundred over ten. So actually, it's funny because I I've, comparing the two, I thought Harper would get a little bit more um, annual average uh, per year. Uh, but he gets more. But I know we talked about this last week, but I want to get in it briefly because John is an Orioles fan and seen Machado for a long time. Um, you know, a- out of these two players, who do you think succeeds more? You got Machado on a Padres team that you know has a it's has the best farm system in baseball. Um, you know, one of the up and coming teams. Uh, and then you also have the Phillies with Harper now, who again another up and coming team, but can be good now. So. Uh, who do you think has a better year? Um, I'll, I'll ask all of you here. Who has the better year and who puts up the better stats and kind of just shows um, that they were the better signing? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I, well, to go off the competitive thing first, just because that's on my mind, it, it depends on – or not competitive, um, uh, successful. It depends on how you um, rate success. Do you rate it as in getting a bigger deal at the end of your deal or do, do you rate it as winning a World Series? Because it it varies from person to person and player to player. So in terms of like uh, successfulness, in terms of um, uh, for World Series, I think Harper will end up being better in the end. Um, uh, as far as that is concerned, more than Machado, uh, just because of looking at the Padres um, and how they are, uh, how they are, how they do have the best farm system in baseball. It's just the Machado deal. He's not the type of player where he's going to set them over the top like he should be. Whereas Harper for the Phillies is the player that is going to send them, is going to send them over the top and to a world series. I don't know if that'll be this year or next year or whatever, but he will do it while he's there. Yeah. And I can look at it from a more statistical approach, but also thinking in what John was saying is I think at least right away, Harper's going to have the better or do better. Um, than Machado, and I take that in thinking about ballpark, who they're facing, and also what the team is striving for. 
Um, Citizens Bank Park's a better hitter's ballpark than San Diego. Uh, now, uh, Machado has some experience in the West, so that's at least good for him. But he's going to be now facing the Dodgers, and the Dodgers aren't a team to mess around with. And that's going to hurt. Plus, being in now San Diego's ballpark for 81 games this season is not the, um, the most friendly thing to be in. I think his defense will be fine for a long time. But you really have to look at that sort of second half that he did with the Dodgers. Because in that situation, he was on a good team. Um, new league. Um, and he did fine. I don't. He didn't do great, but he put up solid numbers. He was bad, like 270 with like mid-teens and home runs. Uh, so I debate whether or not I feel like... I don't think the pressure is going to like make him crumble because he was able to do fine in uh, uh, Baltimore. Now... Being on San Diego and San Diego's pushing for the postseason while Baltimore was just sort of fading into the background, maybe that does have more effect on him that now he's seeing himself as the guy to push him over the top. Uh, whereas Harper, he is the guy to push him over the top, but it's not like he's the like main guy because a lot of the Phillies talk was, oh, the Phillies are a much better team. They're going to compete. They just didn't have that one piece to like really push him up there. And so Harper has the uh, luxury of having real Muto and Hoskins in the lineup with him. If Herrera can hit like he did it all in the first half of any kind, that'll be huge. Um, and who's to say that uh, you don't have like a better season from Hernandez or Franco finally figures it out and that's 270 and hits mid-20s and home runs. So I feel like Harper having that protection in a fairly hitter-friendly ballpark um, is will be fine. And the fact that he did fine in the um, NL East before, and since that's his whole career, he has experience constantly facing them. So I think at least in the short term, uh, he'll do better than Machado. But Machado's more durable. Uh, so maybe that'll help him in the long run, or maybe he'll hit a wall and all of a sudden it'll be injury, injury, injury like Eric Chavez was. So if we're looking, if, if we're, I'm sorry to go off. If we're looking at like first, first season outlook, right? Like who, who do you think we're going to see is going to be like, worth the deal like first season like who do we think is going to just spring to the top like immediately like he's going to be everything in a bag of chips i mean i think harper has a better chance mm-hmm. uh just be, like basically with everything will said i mean the phillies are more set up for success uh mm-hmm. and the padres like i said have like the best farm system so they're going to have guys coming up um you know tatas uh playing you I- know eventually come up playing shortstop and stuff like that and some of the outfielders they have but yeah i mean it's for right now i would say harper well here, here's the thing though because from from a statistical and, and numbers standpoint because like we mentioned earlier we talked we were talking off air is that brendy uh was talking about how statistically speaking you have harper possibly being um overrated right and some of the numbers yeah they they, they do kind of um back his point to a degree right so are we going to see a similar situation where nothing's going to change in terms of what his numbers have been, or are we going to see a Harper that could possibly be MVP like he was that one season? I, I wouldn't say MVP, but it's actually funny because Brendy put out a poll on our Twitter about, uh, you know, where people thought uh, Harper would be. And the, the options were performs like an MVP, puts up all-star numbers, struggles for a bit or another wasted year. And the winning vote was puts up all-star numbers which i agree with i think that you know last year it was obviously well documented that he struggled and uh he ended up you know and end of the year batting 249 uh and a lot of people were pissed off because he made the all-star game and you know it's all a bunch of bullshit because he played for the nationals and it, it the game was in washington that's the only reason he got in 
But I think, you know, Harper, both of them really, Harper and Machado, but Harper for me, uh, just he just has that it factor. And uh, I think he can just kind of, you know, control, uh, kind of just carry a team on his back when he wants to. Uh, I mean, let's not forget last year, he had 34 home runs, which was the second most in his career. Uh, and like Will said, I mean, Citizens Bank Park is very hitter friendly. Um, you know, you could see that total uh, be, you know, about the same or maybe even a little bit more. Um, I would expect maybe around 40, I would say, if I had a prediction. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I think Harper's the guy for now. But, um, you know, and and you guys, I don't know, maybe will agree or disagree with this. Like, I, I always see Machado as more of a uh, – he's a defensive gem. Like, he, you know, he's he's a – I always thought he was one of the best defensive third basemen in the league. Um, but I mean, and, and his hitting was good, but I, I never thought that put him over the top per se. Like I always just think of him as his defensive, um, as his defensive, you know, game. Like I, like I'm saying, I'm not saying he's bad at hitting or like he is a good hitter, but like, that's how I always thought. But I agree yeah, with I mean, that. Like Manny's Manny's problem here was that, well, outside of him being a head case, which I'll cover <laughs> on like after I'll after I mention this, like Manny was Manny was a defensive gem, whereas every other sw- every swing he had, he was swinging for the fences because he knew that's where the big money would get him. So, and that's going to cause him to strike out more. That's going to cause him to uh, not to. He's going to be swinging, yes, but he's not going to be able to contact every single ball and send into row Q. He's going to be hitting a lot of pop ups. He's going to be hitting a lot of grounders because he's not going to get the pitches that he wants. And when, when he crushes it, yeah, he crushes it, but he's not going to crush it every time. That's just statistically impossible. And it's impossible to do um, just in general. So that's Manny's problem. And then to go off of him being a head case, I, I agree with what a lot of people are saying now on uh, talk radio on sports radio down here, which is um, Manny, Manny uh, was a head case in the sense of he knew that he was better at third base. Everyone knew that he was better at third base, but Buck Showalter, Dan Duquette, Wayne Kirby, like all that entire staff was just like, oh, give Manny what he wants. Move him to short. He's not the best shortstop. He's a better third baseman. And I think his defensive play playing the hot corner is going to is gonna show that he's a much better third baseman than he was as a shortstop last season. Yeah, because that was part of the deal that he is moving to. <clears throat> excuse me, he'll be playing third base this year. I mean, I guess um, you got to you got to suck it up for that kind of contract, right? It's like, look, we know you're a better third baseman, right? Yeah. If we're paying well, you 13 years, you're. I would be shocked if they base. didn't give into him at least once, at, yeah. at least for like half a season. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean. Like, I agree. I thought he was always a better third baseman. Like, I mean, this could have just been a product of the other players they had, but I thought he was, like, just very underwhelming last year with the Dodgers. Like, he had an okay year, but, I mean, in the playoffs, he was awful. Um, And I just think, like, you know, he's got to – he's got to suck it up, basically, and, you know, kind of – play the position and I think that works for the better for the Padres anyway for him playing third but um but yeah I mean one of the other things I wanted to kind of tie in with all this which also broke this week was Nolan Arenado getting his eight-year contract uh worth 260 million dollars um and I, I think I mean arguably he's the best third baseman in baseball right now so like how 
you know, how does the, his contract compare with Machado's? And um, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I think uh, at the time, uh, or this is like one of the most luxurious contracts because it is only eight years. Um, I got an update on my phone this week, and I can't remember exactly what it said. I mean, it is a it, it's a huge deal that he got. Uh, oh, for Arenado or Machado? For Arenado, because I'm looking right here. So um, he's going to have a annual salary of $32.5 million, which is one of the highest right now. It's the most for a position player. Right. That's what it was. Okay. Sorry. Um, I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but yeah. So a contract that like that compared to Machado, like, you know, what is the thought there? Because in my opinion, I think like if, if we're putting player, like, you know, players uh, in the same position, like if we're saying Machado is a third baseman, right. If we're putting them in tiers, I would say like Arenado is a tier above Machado, in my opinion, for what he does and the stats he puts up for his team. I don't know. What is what are your guys' opinions on that? No, I'd heard. say probably accurate. I mean, yeah, but I, I do think, think he thrives from Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it does help that he's hitting and <laughs> where he is. I mean, you know, it's a kind of a big thing with the altitude and stuff like that, but I feel like it does help. Um, but... It kind of. I want to circle back to one thing, and I know this is kind of an over-talked about question, but I I just need to ask it. And and with Harper's contract, I know it was a you know it's based off of his potential, and right now he's entering his prime years. But does, is he worth with the his stats that he's put up? Um, you know, throughout his career, he had the MVP season. He's been an All Star, but you know, obviously struggled last year. Does he deserve the contract that he got? Um, is I know it's an over talked about question, but yeah, what are your guys' opinion? Does is he worth is he worth the money? Is he Do you worth have something you want to start off first, Bobby or John? Uh, is he worth three hundred thirty million? I don't know. I think he's worth three hundred million, not three thirty. But uh, honestly, I w- would say yeah. I think he's worth the money just because when you look at Bryce, he yeah he was. He had up and down years, but at the same time, his up and down years are most guys' best years. So, it, when you look at his batting, his batting totals plus him playing the field, he does his job. So that's not much else you can ask for as far as like a who he is and what a player can bring to the table. So I think I think Bryce is worth the money. I'm gonna agree on that. Uh, I can. Thinking about it a little bit more, I was trying to think in my mind if there was any players that popped out uh, right away in my head that uh, you could compare his contract to, obviously besides Machado or Arenado. Um, but I think, and I do think the biggest thing that comes out of this is um, the average annual value. Because one of the things with baseball um, is that over time with inflation, the contracts really change the perspective, uh, how much they're really worth. Because if you look at like the Alex Rodriguez deal is what was being brought up a lot when uh, Machado and Harper were signing. And both of them exceeded a Rod's deal. However, when you factor in inflation and everything, the deal, um, a Rod's deal, I think I saw was like, by nowadays um, standards would have been like 350, 360 million. Um, so when I think about Harper's contract now, uh, I think it works well for the Phillies because they didn't have to pay thirty million plus a year for him now. And when time, when like down the road, when he hits thirty and beyond, and his skills start to um, deteriorate, 
Uh, he'll have a couple years of that 26, and then he'll be 22 million. But by then, 22 million might really mean like you're like a 14 million dollar player now, or 15 million. So I, and in that sense, if Harper can bat 240 and hit 25 home runs as like that by that standards, I think the Phillies would be fine with that, especially because of how um, everything's being built around them. So the talk now um, with where Mike Trout was born, which I believe it's New Jersey, but I think it was Millville, New Jersey, which was not too far. I from believe so. Yeah. It's not too far from us. Uh, this brings up the whole thing with the Phillies. There's been a lot of stuff over the past couple of years about Trout coming to the Phillies uh, after his contract is up and seeing them at Eagles games and stuff like that. Um, the question I want to ask, because I think this is interesting, interesting in my opinion mike trout's the best player in baseball so if and and i think you know stats wise and the stuff he's done i think it makes sense and in that case that makes him better than bryce harper so if we go off of that and we just see what bryce harper makes what is mike trout worth if he hits the open market um i mean i think he'll be He's going to be close, if not break Arenado's average annual deal by then. He it'll probably, um, it'll be smart enough to see that'll break it. Um, I forget exactly the age he'll be. I think it's like twenty eight, twenty nine. He'll be twenty nine when he gets He'll be closer to thirty. Well, but here's Definitely. the thing that always factors in because there's a talk that he'll be the forty million or four hundred million dollar player. But if by the time if he's twenty nine when he becomes a free agent. I unless, I mean, if he's still busting it out like he's doing now, then some team might give him like a deal that'll put him into his 40s. But I find it hard to see team even with Mike Trout. Um, I find it hard right off the bat to think a team's going to try to push more than 10 at the most 12 years on him on a deal. So in that sense, I would think he's probably going to get roughly a 10-year million, $360 million deal, if I had to guess now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if if he extends it to like 12 years or beyond, then I think he'll be the $400 million player. So, Yeah, I I would agree with that. Because, I mean, you're looking at Harper and Machado both being 26. So, you know, you give Harper a contract for that long, it brings him to 39. But, you know. Holy crap! I can't believe that four hundred million dollars is going to be in the question. Uh, when it comes <laughs> when it comes to Mike Trout, yeah, with him being the best player in baseball, and also another thing you have to factor in here um, is also Trout. You hear nothing about him negative. You only hear the positive. Yeah. You hear so if you're com- so from a company's standpoint and a franchise's standpoint, that's the guy you want being the face of your franchise. The guy you know won't get in trouble. You know the guy. The guy you know won't use PEDs. The guy you know won't be a diva. You know that that's the guy you want. So that I think that'll be a huge factor in him getting the money as well. So yeah, I think he'll I think he'll get plenty plenty more money than Harper and Machado. But, but for him, he had four hundred million. Four hundred million is a shit ton of money for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> So this is why I this is why I'm a I'm an avid uh, uh I'm an avid like guy of like thinking baseball needs a salary cap <laughs> like seriously that, that is a discussion that I would love to have and I'm sure we'll bring you guys on for that because mm-hmm. it, it's a topic that I have saved up because I have a big problem with baseball not having a salary cap but yeah I mean mm-hmm. 
that is a lot of money. And but I mean, if any player was to be worth it, I would say Trout is. That would be that'd be a hell of an outfield in Philly, though, if they got Trout and Harper. But uh, on that, uh, we'll wrap up the conversation. Um, it was a good one, and yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of been crazy. I mean, uh, we've kind of talked about this throughout the whole process, but um, it took until March or um, really February twenty eighth uh, for both of these players, the top two agents um in baseball this year to get signed which is kind of insane and had to keep it interesting right had to push up the stock value yeah. as much as they possibly could <laughs> um but on that note uh we will end the podcast here um thank you guys john and will uh for coming back uh john and will being the first time uh definitely have you on for some more baseball talk you guys absolutely are um but yeah we will wrap up the podcast if you would like to contact us uh, we are on Twitter at Come Play Network. Uh, we will be back next week for episode 23. Hopefully, Brendan and Zach will uh, be accountable, or <laughs> will be accountable for on that. Uh, not held accountable. That oh, they'll, be, they'll, they'll be held accountable for their actions already. <laughs> that, God, that, 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 that is not how it was supposed to come out, but it the did. shade hit me <laughs> all the way over here. Oh, oh God. <laughs> But yeah, Um, like I said, thanks guys. And uh, we will see you next week for episode 23 of the Come Play Podcast.